What you mean we can't love without money? No, we can't make love on hungry belly. Johnny, the only one I am dreaming of. You're my turtle dove. Nobody around. Thank you. 
I'm sure many of you have not heard these songs in a long time. Today we are vibing out to some Byron Lee and the Dragonaires. Of course, he does have some featured artists. This one is the Mighty Sparrow with him. No love, no money. You ain't got a plastic set. I couldn't even pay me rent. I had to give up my apartment. You give me nothing to eat now. You want me to sleep on the pavement? We can't love without money. We can't make love. I'm hungry, Daddy. Johnny. You Today I am playing all Byron Lee and the Dragonairs. And I'll tell you why. Today marks six years exactly to the day my dad died. And he was an avid Byron Lee and the Dragonaires fan. How much of a fan was he? Let me tell you. Like that. Wherever in the world Byron Lee was playing, he was there. This is Mambo number 12. Fond memories of dancing in our living room as the sounds of Baron Lee echoed through the speakers. Because of him, I fell in love with Byron Lee and the Dragonaires and his music, their music. Instrumental in introducing Soka Calypso to Jamaica, or I should say Calypso and Soka to Jamaica. People wonder what's the difference between Calypso and Soka. Well, think about reggae and dancehall. There you go. Calypso is reggae <laughs> and soca is dancehall. <laughs> Gotta be honest, this morning I wasn't really feeling up to doing the show this morning that I heard this voice and you better get your ass on there. <laughs> that has got to be my dad. Taught me about pushing through no matter what. You never give up no matter what. Understand that life's co life comes with many challenges, but you face them head on. He also taught me to be careful who you align yourself with because they can either help you or hurt you. And that's a life lesson. Choose your company carefully, he would always say. Dream, 
be respectful of everyone no matter their station that was another thing he always taught me and another thing that he always would say is gotta give god thanks No matter what's going on in your life, in and around you, gotta give thanks, folks. Gotta be grateful. He'd always say, boy, it could have worse, you know? (laughs) That's so true. Byron Lee was not just known for calypso music and going into soca. He was not just known for um, bringing Trinidad, I'm sorry, bringing Carnival, let me get it right, Carnival to Jamaica. No, not at all. He goes way back into the days of ska, some blues. Yep. This one is called Holly Holy. You know what? Let me go ahead and get started because I'm getting a little carried away here. (laughs) I could just play Baron Lee all day. Gotta say good morning to everyone listening online. Whoops. Okay. I guess Baron Lee wants to rain through. Not now, Baron. Hold on a second. Good morning to all our listeners around the world logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, and everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. Of course, I have to say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It's Thursday, February 23. The month is almost at a close, folks. Hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. Today I'm playing nothing but Byron Lee and the Dragonairs. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee in Toll World News on the go tune in every monday through friday 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern this is where i read the news and we share our views follow me on tiktok moments with me media on instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on twitter me media moments and the me in everything is mi and here are the headlines we have coming up for you today in the caribbean corner cpl generates 84.4 million us dollars for guyana skinny fabulous congratulates bungee garland on road march win search on for 15 year old girl from spanish town ammunition seized in portmore man stabbed to death in ocherius attacker on the run Teen boys have been held and handed over to cops after $500 robbery at Knife Point. Can we?
we have some good news please 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 good news okay here we go two billion dollars have been slated for cornwall regional hospital project out of latin america haiti and portugal qualify for women's world cup for the first time in stores out of north america this one is so sad yesterday a tv reporter and girl fatally shot near scene of a previous shooting in orange county and that happened in florida norfolk southern is giving over a thousand times more money to investors than to derailment victims a proposed bill in florida would ban dogs from hanging their heads out of car windows isn't that what dogs do deaths in custody are a crisis but data on them is a black hole a new report says a west virginia bill is allowing concealed guns at colleges Hmm, and it's one step away from law. How do we feel about that? We'll talk about that. Unlikely alliances in Supreme Court opinions on overtime and death penalty. In business and tech scene for your TikTok lovers and Mercedes lovers, the 2024 Mercedes E-Class will have TikTok built in. Oh, not so sure about that how i feel but anyway we'll talk about that as well uh npr says it's cutting jobs by 10 percent as ad revenue drops in health and science news shockingly dangerous who raises alarm on pregnancy risks and most americans are uncomfortable with artificial intelligence in healthcare, and that's according to a survey uh in the brew entertainment news rapper nipsey hustle's killer is sentenced to 60 years well 60 years to life in prison we're going to talk about these stories and more coming up after a little more soca and calypso come on through baron lee let's get the soca butterfly going
How do you do? Good morning, everyone. Hope you all are having a wonderful day so far. Wherever you are in the world, I thank you for tuning in to Coffee Intel. Here is more from Byron Lee and the Dragonaires. This is Bam Bam featuring Toots and the Maytals. For you folks, listen, young folks, I should say, young folks listening, this is what we would call good music. Not this booger yaga foolishness on a listening to. <laughs> That's what the old folks would say, right? How many times did you hear that growing up? Is what I tell you, listen to man of foolishness that that's rubbish. This is music. <laughs> they don't make it like that anymore. I know I heard it many a times. Twenty-five after the top of the hour. Keep it locked. We're gonna get started soon. Gonna get into the details. We did the headlines already. In the meantime, we're gonna continue taking our trip down memory lane. Gonna take you back to the days of Ska, way back with this one. This is Soul Ska.
gonna bring you back forward a little bit. Here is Dancehall Soka. Who remembers this one? You should. Back to the 80s. <laughs> Byron Lee and the Dragonairs. Enjoy.
all right byron lee and the dragonairs thank you so much for that one it's time for us to go ahead and get started And we're starting off in the Caribbean corner. First story, CPL generates U.S. $84.4 million for Guyana. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. And I hope my folks on Clubhouse are able to hear me because I'm getting the red bar. The hero Caribbean Premier League, CPL, has reported generating U.S. 84000 I'm sorry, 84 million. Let me get the numbers right. 84,425,587 dollars for Guyana, US dollars that is, which staged the closing rounds of the 2022 tournament. In a media release, CPL stated that the figure represents a 186% increase in the total economic impact on Guyana. In addition, more than 50,000 fans attended playoff games alone with a total of 25,783 hotel room nights being filled during the tournament. The hotel figures represent a 236% increase on the figures from 2019 when Guyana last hosted the tournament. CPL stated that the figures were generated by the UGov Sport Research Company. Total viewership for the 2022 tournament was a record-breaking 721.8 million, the third successive year that the tournament has generated over half a billion viewers. The reception for the Hero CPL in Guyana last year exceeded anything we have seen before, and we are hugely grateful for the vision of His Excellency Irfan Ali, who masterminded the Cricket Carnival concept and showed how cricket can deliver significant economic value when planned alongside other entertainment initiatives. We are so grateful for the amazing support we continue to receive in Guyana and are thankful that we have been able to repay the country with these fantastic numbers. We can't wait to make it an even bigger and better one by making a bigger impact in 2023. The 2023 CPL is set for August 31st to September 30. Wow, what can I say? I remember back in the, I want to say the 90s, yeah, when, um, there was a rebirth and i'm not hating on guyana not at all i don't want anybody to get me wrong i'm loving this fact for guyana but there should always be a takeaway for other caribbean islands there should always be something that we can learn and possibly implement so we can churn out these kind of numbers especially when we're talking economics and um Economics spanning out in various avenues, getting into tax revenue. We're talking about income for small businesses, for the little man on the street, peddling his goods all the way up, right? So that everyone can benefit in some way, shape, or form. So if they were able to do this 
and we're coming off of the heels of a successful carnival in um dominica and uh trinidad right um jamaica what are your numbers for when it's carnival in jamaica what are your numbers for when there is um reggae some fest what are your numbers for sting are we getting the dollars and cents are we getting the hotels jam-packed during these times i want to know how much is being re um generated in terms of tax revenue that would significantly help the country and i'm not talking in jamaican dollars now i'm talking in u.s dollars because that's how guyana rolling guyana ain't playing with us they saying 84.4 million dollars u.s all right so let's run some numbers let's see how are they able to do it you know collaborate with them hey but as i was saying i remember back in the 90s they the um what you would call it they had the mound which was a good vibe and thing where i, I never went but i know people who went um you didn't have to love cricket you didn't have to like cricket at all but the mound was kind of like um a club so to speak where you'd go and lime for the day drink and have a good time with good company while watching the game whether you understand the cricket game or not whether you find it boring or not to me cricket is dead ass boring but the entertainment side would pull people there i'm not sure whatever happened to that is it still around or did that go away you know so there are some opportunities that we need to tap into um definitely all right so uh skinny fabulous congratulates bungee garland on winning the road march yes bungee come through let's play a little bungee here this morning viking Take a chip, take a chip, take a chip, take a chip now. Hey, shake it, hip, shake it, hip, shake it, hip, shake it, hip, wow. Ooh. We are the sound of a hundred thousand coming off the road. Ha. We are the vibration that you feel when the music loads. Huh. We are the mud and the oil, and we come to dirty up the clothes. Yeah. I made the girl them wine and strike the electric pose. Hey. Hey. Take a chip, take a chip, take a chip, take a chip now. That one is called Big Bad Soaker. This one is differentology. Ready for the road? You ready? You ready? We ready for the road. I can't sing. Don't mind me. Look on the sun now raising up. And the crowd now waking up. The atmosphere have vibes, and nothing can break it up. The girl them a wine non-stop. We had the drinks them in a bike up. We gonna party all night, all night. Twenty-four parties we hit in a row. Tonight at the very last show. Before we are out on the road, the girl them a release the load. So let me see your hands up, so everybody know. Put your hands up, so if you're ready for the road, let your friend them know. We're ready for the road. 
and i'm sure everyone is familiar with this one which he did with skinny fabulous and michelle montana So as I was saying, Vincentian Soka star Skinny Fabulous has congratulated Trini Soka legend Bungie Garling on winning the Visit Trinidad 2023 Road March race with his hit Hard Fet. Skinny Fabulous in a Facebook post said the results are in and it's all love. Congratulations to my brother, the new Road March King at Bungie Garling. Special thanks to everyone who rode hard, rallied for, and owned Come Home as their anthem for Carnival. According to official results released by the Trinbago Unified Collab, Collab- why am I saying collapse? No, Calypsonians organization to go. Hard Fat was the most played song at judging points with 135 plays. Nyla Blackman and Skinny Fabulous Come Home was second with 106 plays. On Facebook, commentators from St. Vincent and the Grenadines congratulated Skinny Fabulous and Nyla Blackman for their accomplishment with Come Home. One commentator said, Big up yourself, Skinny Fabulous. You have every reason to be proud of this song. Keep up the amazing work you've done and continue to, you know, do so for yourself and your country. Blessings. All right, but it's so good when you can congratulate someone who is in the industry with you. And of course, they have worked together. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you, Skinny, Michelle, and Bungie. Okay, so a big applause. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, up next, searches on for a 15-year-old girl from Spanish Town. Yesterday, we reported a young boy that was missing, that went missing. I'm not, I have not yet had an update with regard to um, if he has been found, yes or no. So we're going to stay tuned for that. But an Ananda alert has been activated for 15-year-old Rachel Walsh, otherwise called Barbie of St. John's Road, Spanish Town in St. Catherine. And this is in Jamaica, who has been missing since Tuesday, February 21. She is of dark complexion, slim build, and about 5 feet 3 inches tall. Reports from the Spanish Town Police are that at about 6.30 p.m. she was last seen at home wearing a burgundy t-shirt and gray tights. She has not been heard from since. Anyone knowing the whereabouts of Rachel Walsh is asked to contact the Spanish Town Police 119 or go to the nearest police station. I really hope they find her. We're hearing about too many missing people, especially children in Jamaica. For our next story, ammunition seized in Portmore, courtesy of Jamaica.loopnews.com. And this one is a developing story. The Bridgeport Police seized 50 assorted rounds of ammunition in Westchester, Portmore, in St. Catherine on Tuesday, February 21, during a targeted operation. Reports from the Portmore Police are that at about 10.50 a.m., a snap raid was conducted on Hilton Close, where the ammunition was found. No arrest was made. 
clean up, clean up, clean up. Yeah, I hope they continue to find um, more and get them off the road. Another story which is not too pleasing. A man has been stabbed to death at the plaza in Ocho Rios and the attacker is on the run. This story is also courtesy of Jamaica.LootNews.com. A manhunt has been launched for a man who stabbed another during a dispute in Ocho St. Anne on Ash Wednesday. The deceased has been so far identified by his alias, Haitian. Preliminary reports are that sometime after 3 p.m., the two men had an altercation at a popular plaza in the resort town during which a security guard attempted to intervene. The dispute, however, escalated into a fight in which both men brandished implements and Haitian was stabbed. The attackers subsequently fled at the scene. The wounded man was transported to hospital where he was pronounced dead. Teen boys held and handed over to cops after a $500 robbery at Knife Point. Story courtesy of Jamaica.loopnews.com. 18-year-old Oliog, and I hope I said his f- first name correctly, Davis of Bedwood Crescent, St. Andrew, and a 16-year-old boy have been charged with robbery with aggravation following an incident along Malines Road in the parish on Tuesday, February 21. Reports from the Halfway Tree Police are that at about 1 p.m., a teenage girl was walking along Malines Road when Davis and his accomplice allegedly attacked her. She was grabbed by the boys who held a ratchet knife to her throat and robbed her of $500. The teen boys escaped on foot in the area but were caught by citizens and handed over to the police. The two were charged after a question and answer session. Their court date is being finalized. Good. 18 and 16. That's that's our future, right? That's the future. That's what we that's what we have going on. $500. And they felt that this was okay. Yeah, we're just going to grab somebody and pull the knife to our throat and peel $500 off or peel whatever we can offer her. Some good news. Some good news. Uh, $2 billion for Cornwall Regional Hospital Project. Story courtesy of Jamaica.loopnews.com. The government will be spending more than $2 billion on works for the continued redevelopment of the St. James-based Cornwall Regional Hospital. The objective of the project is to improve service delivery in the public health system by rehabilitating the CRH to include ventilation and air conditioning HVAC systems, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing MEP systems, information and communications technology, and equipping the institution. Details of the project are outlined in the 2023-2024 estimates of expenditure, which will go before the Standing Finance Committee of the House of Representatives shortly. For the upcoming fiscal year, works are expected to be done to complete Phase 2B. Comments, design of Phase Phase 3, build turnkey contract for the rehabilitation and redevelopment of floors 1 to 10 and attain 30% completion and continue procurement of information and communications technology supplies and medical equipment. Up to the end of December 2022, there was a 100% completion of Phase 1 and Phase 2, as well as Phase 2A and 80% completion of Phase 2B. 
So those of us who say they need to be doing more, they're doing more, folks. We just have to be a little patient. Um, all the hospitals, we have said several times, need a complete renovation and to be brought up to the time, modernized, right? So let us hope that this will continue. It's probably not possible for them to do all the hospitals at once. So one by one, we get them done. All right. Okay, so that's some good news. Let's see if we have some more good news out of Jamaica. Well, I guess. Three people have been charged by the Lottery Scam Task Force in Orange Bay, Hannibal. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM. Three people have been arrested and charged following an operation by the Lottery Scam Task Force in Orange Bay, Hannibal. They have been charged with possession of identity information and possession of access device after two separate incidents on Tuesday. In the first incident, lawmen searched a two-bedroom dwelling occupied by 27-year-old Dino Vassiani and 19-year-old Amoya Smith. During the search, two mobile phones belonging to Vassiano were seized. The police say the phones were populated with personal data, including banking information of persons residing overseas. In the second incident, 27-year-old auto repairman Cal Wayne White was arrested and charged after a search of his home reportedly yielded two cellular phones and several photos of lead sheets. Further search reportedly revealed Excel files with personal data, including bank information of persons residing overseas. White was charged with possession of identity information. Their court dates have not been finalized. I guess them not stay abreast of the news and that sort of thing. They're, they're probably not aware of what's going on. Them not say plain loads of them that get um, extradited to the U.S. and have been locked up give it up give it up find something else to do i don't know so remember yesterday we spoke about um the four-day work week well there is a poll um in jamaica should jamaica test the four-day work week system courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com Several companies in Britain are embarking on a four-day workweek system after a six-month trial found it beneficial to employees and good for revenues. The majority of the 61 companies that participated in the trial from June to December reported that they found the shortened work hours to be less stressful for employees. That was all while companies' reported revenue largely stayed the same during the trial period last year and even grew compared with the same six months a year earlier, according to findings released this week. In Jamaica, more companies have moved towards flexible work hours and work-from-home arrangements, and this was all since the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. Still, some believe a four-day workweek system would lead to happier employees and better outputs. Well, yes, it would greatly benefit the well-being of employees on the job, 62%, which accounts for 120 votes. 10%, the equivalent of 19, 19 votes, said no, work from home and flexible work arrangements are enough. 12 votes, accounting for 6%, said it doesn't matter because employees will still make room for work-life balance. And 42 votes, 22%, said 
even if tested and proven, local companies will not implement. Hmm. I wonder why they wouldn't be willing to implement. I think it's something that is worth exploring in Jamaica. One thing I can tell you, give them three days, a three days for party. Or they probably have two days to party now and one day to recover. Although when I think back to my younger days, um, party nonstop, regardless, Monday to th right through the week. Yeah, there were weeks there was no sleep. Didn't matter. Some nights you're, you're going in five o'clock in the morning. You're just reaching home to turn around and be at work by eight o'clock. So, um. One thing, some people don't matter. They make a party regardless. But um, at least people have more time to do more things, especially if they want to get business conducted on a weekday, whether it's a Friday or a Monday. But explore it, folks. Don't close it out. All right, we're going to have a, a little break right now for some more Soka, Barony and the Dragonairs. And um, today I am playing him. Normally I play Soka on a Monday, right? But today... I am playing Byron Lee and the Dragonairs in honor of my dad who passed away six, six years ago today to the date. Exactly. He's the one that introduced me to Byron Lee and the Dragonairs and soca music. So I ended up growing up on this. But Byron Lee is not only known for soca music. He's also and Calypso. Let me get it right. Soca and Calypso. He's also known for some scam music. This one is featuring Stranger and Patsy. Come back. Thank you to everyone listening online, QMZRadio.com, the Quality Music Zone. For quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day.
This instrumental is Green Island. Black man come to party a little soca for you. We all know this one, Tiny Whiny. Whiny your boom boom.
Thank you, everyone, listening online, qmzradio.com and johnoradio.com. Thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. It's time for us to go ahead and get back to business. Time for stories out of Latin America. First up, Haiti and Portugal qualify for Women's World Cup for the first time. Okay, all right. Auckland, New Zealand Associated Press is reporting Haiti and Portugal qualified for the FIFA's FIFA Women's World Cup Finals for the first time after winning playoff matches Wednesday in New Zealand. Carol Costa scored a 94th-minute clincher in Portugal's 2-1 win over Cameroon, who have reached the round of 16 at the last two World Cups. Okay. Haiti beat Chile 2-1 earlier Wednesday in a historic match they hope will bring joy and a breath of fresh air to a strife-torn homeland, of course. Uh, Melchi Dumornay scored twice to ensure 55th-ranked Haiti will return to the Southern Hemisphere in July to play in Group D of the Women's World Cup alongside England, China, and Denmark. Haiti and Portugal have taken two of the last three places at the World Cup, which will be decided at the 10-team Intercontinental Playoff in New Zealand. Paraguay will play Panama on Thursday, today, for the last place in the 32-team tournament, which will be co-hosted by Australia and New Zealand in July and August. Well, congratulations, Haiti. Awesome. Looking forward to your ladies reaching very far. Okay, Mexico for our next story. Mexico's Senate passes controversial electoral reform. Story courtesy of aljazeera.com. Mexico's Senate has approved a reform of the country's electoral institute, a move that opponents say will undercut democracy, but which the president contends will save money and reduce political privileges. On Wednesday, lawmakers voted 72 to 50 in favor of the controversial overhaul of the body overseeing the country's elections. Opponents immediately said they will challenge the changes in the Supreme Court, Protests are planned in multiple cities on Sunday. The changes will cut the budget of the National Electoral Institute, call staff and close offices. President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador still needs to enact the measure, but that is seen as a formality since he backs the initiative, which would reduce the size of the institute and limit its supervisory and sanctioning powers. Is that something they want to do, though? Isn't that kind of heading in a dangerous direction? If you're going to cut, um, I don't know. Hmm. If you're going to have controversial electoral reform and it is going to affect the number of personnel who are going to be able to monitor and manage, um, what you call it, elections, I, I see the opportunity for corruption to blossom and bloom even more. That's what I see. But they're saying it will, hmm. they're saying it will save money. But sometimes in saving money, can't it cost you more in the long run? Does an initiative to save money always result in saving money? When it comes to elections, 
I think every country has some degree of corruption, all right? Um, but I think when you rock the boat this way, you are opening it up even more. All right, U.S. grants extradition of Peru's former President Alejandro Toledo. Story courtesy of aljazeera.com. The United States has granted the extradition of Peruvian former President um, Alejandro Toledo over corruption allegations. Peru's Attorney General Office has said, adding that the country's justice system has been coordinating with national and foreign authorities for the execution of the order. We have been informed that the U.S. State Department granted the extradition of Alejandro Toledo Mar- Mar- Manrique, sorry, I don't know why I'm putting letters in his name, Manrique, for the crimes of collusion and money laundering. And that's according to a tweet from the public prosecutor, which was published on Wednesday. Peru requested the extradition of Toledo, who served as the country's president from 2001 to 2006. In 2018, on charges, he took millions of of dollars in bribes from Odebrecht, who is a Brazilian construction company involved in an extensive corruption case across South America. Toledo was detained by U.S. authorities in 2019, but released to house arrest in 2020. All right, so let's see how that plays out. Presidential... Presidential candidates signed peace pact before Nigeria election. Now it's time for stories on the international scene. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. The 18 presidential candidates of Nigeria's general election have signed a second peace in accord, a second peace accord in the capital Abuja, in a bid to prevent unrest surrounding the February 25th polls. The pact is to ensure the conduct of free, fair, credible, transparent and verifiable elections cognizant of the need to maintain a peaceful environment before, during, and after the 2023 general elections, and to place national interest above personal and partisan concerns. An earlier agreement had been signed in September 2022, which former military head of state and retired General Abdul Salam Abubakar had been violated numerous times. The Tuesday evening signing organized by the National Peace Committee and the Kuka Leadership Center, an Abuja-based think tank, was in the presence of the President, Buhari, and other African and international leaders and diplomats. Committee officials said the accord was meant to bind political parties, candidates, and their supporters to resort to constitutional means if they are dissatisfied with electoral outcomes. Question. Historically speaking, when there are peace pacts that are signed um, during an election season, are they generally successful? Do they get the desired outcome? Or is it an illusion? Or is it done with the hope that um, supporters, especially diehard supporters, will you know, follow suit and be peaceful even if they don't get the outcome that they get. I haven't seen numbers in terms of, um, or any, I haven't seen any data as it relates to peace packs, especially in countries where people like to act up when election time, everybody trying to see to it that their leader is elected or um, 
violence is incited based on the speeches that are given. I don't know. Hopefully it works. Really hope it works and that there will be no bloodshed because that's not the answer. You, you kill each other and but life goes on for the politicians, right? Okay. Did someone open their mic? I must be hearing doubles. Okay. All right. Next up, we head over to South Korea. South Korea breaks record for world's lowest fertility rate. Again, the number of babies expected per woman in South Korea dropped to 0.78 last year, down from 0.81 a year earlier. It's still a baby. Story courtesy of aljazeera.com. So South Korea has smashed its own record for the world's lowest fertility rate again. And that's according to official data. The average number of expected babies per South Korean woman over her reproductive life fell to 0.78 in 2022, down from 0.81 a year earlier, according to data published by Statistics Korea on Wednesday. The figure is the lowest among countries in the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which had an average rate of 1.59 in 2020 and far below 1.64 in the United States and 1.33 in Japan the same year. The South Korean capital, Seoul, logged the lowest birth rate of 0.59. Well, the plummeting birth rate has stoked worry about declining population and could severely damage the South Korean economy, the world's 10th largest, because of labor shortages and greater welfare spending as the number of older people increases and the number of taxpayer shrinks. <laughs> well, just move some people around the world, right? And there are places that they say are overpopulated. Just move some people around. It make it inviting for people to want to move to um, South, to Korea. Do that then. Because people want, for example, people want to leave the U.S., but they're not sure about where to go. You know, make it inviting for them. Make it... Uh, Make them an offer they can't refuse. But you're going to have to let go of certain stigmas, certain things you're going to have to let go of, right? Definitely, definitely, definitely. As, I, as I'm saying, good morning, good morning. Go right good morning. Good morning. So I'm trying to under, I'm trying to remember what side of Korea is the better side. <laughs> <laughs> South, South Korea is a good side. North Korea, do not go. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I don't think I would want to be anywhere near Korea, especially <laughs> even if it's just the South side. You know, I don't. I don't think so. Oh <laughs> good morning, God. everybody. My, my, actually, my friend was just there. She spent about a month there. She is a Trinidadian woman who now lives in Vegas. Um, she loves Korea. She loves Korean culture. And she, she's a military brat, so she's traveled all over the world. But she intentionally went to Korea. I was there for a month. She was dating while she was there, you know, dating apps and stuff, going out, eating. She really loves the culture. And I think if someone says, hey, sis, go move there tomorrow, she'd say, okay, let me get myself together. Wow. She loves it that much. And she was trying to get us all to come. So it's, it's, I love Korean food. I like Korean culture. So I would, I would test it out too. I don't know. I would, cannot commit to going, and I can't have their population because I'm too old. 
So that you're but not too old. You would add to their population. That'll be one more added to their exactly. population. No babies. <laughs> Listen, you you can still have you you, you know Debrat has has it had a. Is I know Debrat is older than me. Right. Yeah, right. So don't. I I was called a senior or um advanced maternal age once in my life. I don't really call me that one more. I was 37 when I delivered. And they I called you advanced. I was 37 when I got pregnant. I was 38 by the time I gave, and I was at advanced maternal age. So, wow. yeah, they can keep that. Who wrote those rules? Um, uh, Grand Rise and everybody. Good morning, Afo. Yeah, I was really not talking with this Korea thing. Um, the mom was like a video with like black persons living in Korea, South Korea. And uh, it's like, them are very accident, like, What's their dating experiences like, or what's the whole relationship um, experiences like over there for a black person who moved to that side? And like majority of those Asian places, countries, um, is like them tend to look toward white is a preference. Yeah, white is a preference. So it's like they were going to interview black persons, and I like, say, yo, it. Some of them say it's it, it's like a. a fetish that like them see them as like some kind of fetish like oh it's a black person same like when i watch the videos and when you want to show black people are walk around in china and them places here and tokyo and like them want to come up and touch a person here and you know them see us stop them just they look look funny like at first i'm a black person <laughs> you get me uh, so it's like let me say at this is them kind of lean more to white white is a preference and them own but I mean, and if I do get in one, it's like a, a, a fetish type of thing for them. Because, oh, yeah, all right, I'm going to deal with a black person. They don't really take it serious. Now, so everybody, and so of everybody was a steer. Now, I said that. But um, they said, why is the preference over that side? So, I mean, if you get lucky, you just get lucky. If not, yeah, yeah that's the situation. So I was like, damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, so but it's a steer when it comes to to stuff like that. Um, them couple videos are all over like on YouTube and them something they were persons go around and ask them like black persons like what right. is what is the um relationship or dating is like for you for for, for black people here in South Korea uh, and stuff like that. Again so you know what I mean can I yeah. give you a joke Afro? Yeah man got you man. give you a joke the only people who have ever touched my hair to figure out if it's real or if it's mine or black folks. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> That's my experience. Um, yeah. So interesting. Um, all right. So they're short on um resources, human resources. They need people. Uh, so if anyone is up to it, um, Sonette just highlighted the great things about it that the great experience people have had um sula i think had put in the chat let, let me double check let me go back here i'm pulling up another article i'm so sorry uh south korea is nice and they are welcoming people been there before thank you for sharing that sula thank you i haven't heard anything negative um so far it's the first time i'm hearing about that experience i must be honest um i feel but yeah, so everybody's experience is going to be different. I guess um, it depends on where you go. Um, yeah, 
depends on where you go. All right, next story. We head on over to Canada. Canada debates how to address asylum seekers entering from the U.S. And so, of course, now we're going to start talking about stories out of North America. This one is courtesy of AlJazeera.com. Thousands of asylum seekers crossing irregularly into Canada from the United States along a dirt path are becoming a political flashpoint once more as the provincial government of Quebec says it can no longer accommodate the rising numbers. The movement of asylum seekers into Quebec from New York State has picked up since Canada lifted COVID-19 pandemic restrictions in late 2021, a trend mirroring global displacement. More than 39,000 refugees entered Canada last year via unofficial crossings, the vast majority via Roxham Road, which links Quebec and New York State. The number crossing Excuse me, the number crossing into Quebec more than doubled last year compared to 2017 when Roxham Road made international headlines. Nearly 5,000 more people seeking asylum crossed into Canada between official border crossings last month, the highest total in January since the Canadian government started breaking down this data in 2017. That 2017 spike was spurred in part by then U.S. President Donald Trump's crackdown on migrants. Canada is a signatory to the International Refugee Convention, under which Canada must adjudicate, I'm sorry, must adjudicate most refugee claims with limited exceptions. The convention has limitations in the definition of refugee, and Canadian law has exceptions about who can access refugee protection in Canada. James where's oh james stepped away all right because i wanted to ask him about that how they feel about that up there all right so uh we'll keep on top of that yesterday was just another day in the hood the hood is the usa yeah the whole usa is the hood now you nowhere is safe nowhere is safe anymore um, this is like the wild, wild west, and I'm sick of it. I, I'm sick of every time ev- you open the news, every day there is a report of a shooting. Sick of it. Anyway, this is in Florida. Gunman kills three, including reporter who was covering the initial shooting. Imagine, you're there doing your job, and they come and kill you. Story courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN. A gunman accused of killing a woman in the Orlando area returned to the neighborhood hours later and shot four more people, killing a journalist covering the original shooting and a nine-year-old child, Florida police said. Spectrum News 13 identified the slain reporter on Thursday as Dylan Lyons. Photographer Jesse Walden was also wounded. The two were in an unmarked news vehicle on Wednesday afternoon covering the first homicide when a man approached and shot them, according to Orange County Sheriff John Mina in a news conference. The man then went to a nearby home where he fatally shot a girl and critically wounded her mother. The sheriff said police have detained Keith Melvin Moses, who is 19, who they believe is responsible for all of the shootings. Mina said police did not immediately know the motive for the shootings. He said Moses was an an acquaintance with the first victim, but did not appear 
to have any connection with any of the others. He said it was not clear if Moses knew that two of the people that were shot were journalists and noted that their vehicle did not look like a typical news vanishes logo on it. It was not immediately known whether Moses has a lawyer who could speak on his behalf. That's, that, that's just ridiculous. You know, when I heard the story, I went back to the question, um, Marlon and Rosolo, the statement and question that Marlon and Rosolo made. They say women are most emotional, and because we are so emotional, we're um, very irrational. We, we are not capable of thinking logically. You know, we're a basket case. That's what they say about us. But look at what's going on in the news. Look at what we've been reading. It's the man. I mean, in Jamaica, we're scamming. But here in the U.S., the man. What's up, man? What's going on? Talk to me. What's going on? So men, is it that you're, they're only strong physically, but not mentally and emotionally? I can't speak because I'm not a man. I don't know. What is it that is causing men, regardless of race, it's not a race thing now, regardless of race, men are breaking down. And I don't know if this has always been the trend, but because of social media and um, technology, it's more in our faces. I don't know. So females, they do have the emotions, but females are more let out their emotion and they're more able to express it. Men are, are raised to keep, don't show emotion. So females will cry. And, you know, that, that's a form of letting out whatever you have built up inside. Um, female will talk to somebody and all that stuff. Men internalize those things. So when they internalize all these things, they don't deal with it. And then they just break. And this is the result. So, Dre, so Dre, who is to be blamed for this teaching? Who taught men? Because the truth is men are taught not to cry. They're told from their little exactly. boys. We are going that. Yeah, gal. Which is very disrespectful, I must say. As if to, you're diminishing the female rate, um, women. As if to say being crying make you soft and saying that women are soft. I wish men could put up with a lot that women have to put up with. I really. And um, Chief, I'm going to challenge your comment. Men are being chemically feminized. So is that why they are... I don't think I like that, how that sounds. I, I, I don't want to misconstrue or, you know, misread the statement. But uh, men are being chemically feminized. Hmm. I want Chief to expound on that for me. Because it sounds as though, Chief, you're saying that we women are weak. I don't know. I don't want to be wrong. Put it in the chat, Chief, if you can't talk. Put it in the Chief. Put it in the chat, Chief, please. But, okay, and even if you say we're, the men are being 
chemically feminized, but we're not going around and shooting up the place. Women aren't doing that. Are we women? No, women are not doing that. But you know, the difference, we have to remember, remember the difference between men and women. Men are physical, women are not. Women get physical because they feel they have to be, but they're not. Naturally, we're not physical. Men have to express themselves physically. That's why they're built stronger. That's why they move things and they're, they have to move. It's a process of uh, processing the emotions and whatnot. They have to do something that's physical. So um, we have to understand these differences and somehow work these differences out and or balance them out, maybe neuter them, <laughs> neutralize. <laughs> I agree. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Chief. Yay, we can hear you, Chief. We can hear you. Because you want to hear me. Yes, I want to hear you today. <laughs> no. <laughs> go ahead. Go right ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, we, uh, I agree with the queen who just spoke. We have uh, what you call enormous amounts of testosterone. Testosterone is an aggressive go get it, make it happen, battle-mongering, sexually engaged hormone. So we respond with that type of stimuli. And when that stimuli is pressed with emotion, it the action, the effect can be dramatic. You know, so it's either going to be powerful orgasmic sex or it could be a battlefield uh MVP. You know, it's all about how you use it. Women are more inclined to act through emotion and estrogen and other chemical makeups. We have a different chemical makeup. And what I was meaning by feminization of men is when you, because men are also more inclined because of the, the, the particular hormones that press us to be more intellectual, to stop and think, typically. But when we're, in, when, we're in, when we become effeminized, nobody can push you, take you off the ledge. You don't have, you know, in other words, you no longer have control over how you effectively move. So you can be a great, great warrior on the battlefield. But if you ignore strategy and you ignore your commanders, then you're being dominated by something else. Right. You're driven by something else. It doesn't mean that one is weaker or stronger in any particular manner. It means that you're good at what you do. Like a man don't nurture like a woman nurture. So that's a that's a that's a part of your of your, of your makeup. It's not to say that man can't be nurturing. It's just not our natural display. Our natural display is to be protective, not nurturing. So we may discipline our children different, right? We may we may interact with our with, with the opposite sex different. But when a man is approached by a masculine woman, how does he respond? He responds in a masculine way because naturally his 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 chemical makeup perceives that as testosterone, right? Because you even release certain pheromones when you're in a certain state. So it's just putting the pieces together in that in that way. And I'll end. Thank you so much, Chief. Appreciate your explanation. Thank you to Crystal. So we have work to do, parents. We have work to do. 
it starts with us. It starts from the moment you take that ultrasound and you realize you're having a boy. Are you going to continue the foolish narrative that boys should not cry? I think it's foolish because they need to be taught to let out their emotions. They're human beings. They have tear ducts for a reason. Stop this macho foolishness. It doesn't take away from their masculinity in any way. It shows them to be real, human. So we have to now understand the importance of teaching our young sons about emotional intelligence. We have to. And if we don't have the information, research it. Men, it's not about scrolling and looking at girls' asses and trying to figure out if it's real or fake or I want to tap that, hit that, whatever. It's not about that. That's not what you have your phones for alone. Use it so that we can improve our children's lives so that they grow up to be better men. Stop. And stop telling them to disrespect women by saying, asking them, Ya girl, are you a girl? Why are you crying? That's disrespectful if you ask me. I'm sorry. I'm putting it out there. I don't know if any other lady or any other woman feel the way I do, but that's how I feel. You're diminishing us. And just like men like to tell us women, oh, you can't do what we do. You can't do what we do either. So we're going to respect each other in this space. And we're going to, and when I say space, I mean this thing called life. And we're going to appreciate each other's strengths. But we're not going to ostracize anyone for their weaknesses. If men had an outlet if men were taught from early that it's okay to express yourself it's okay to get it out this wouldn't be happening then is that fair to say let me just jump to the chat uh dre said men commit more suicide and more crime because they internalize all the emotion and have no outlets for it based on how society has programmed us so society we have work to do how are you raising your sons? Men. I'm not. How are you raising your sons? Go ahead. Go right ahead. Javette, was that you? A, yeah, that was me. I have a question with what Dre just said. Because he said men don't have an outlet. What do you consider is an outlet? Good question. Dre? Crying. Um, talking to people about our problems and just stuff like stuff that they will call like same thing as moments say why I do that yeah girl you know that's how our man up man up and, and stuff like that certain things man just like when we have problems we don't deal with it um, certain way because we're looked at as being weak if we deal with it um, certain ways and with a female with a female they they can cry and no one look at it no way and all of that stuff. So that's what I mean. 
So I have another question. So knowing this now, at the stage of your life, are you still letting things out or are you still holding things in? It depends, like when, when you line with your. I could talk and and stuff like that. Hold on, Dre. Say that again. Start over. I missed up the first part of what you were saying. You chipped out there. Start over. Start over. No, I said. I mean, like when I have problems and stuff like that, I have people um, like that I can talk to. Um, I'm more open now to like therapy. I haven't done it, but you know. If 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 certain problem arise, I'm I'm not scared to go and seek therapy. Like before, that was a no no for like black men, you know. Um, the crying part, no, I never used to cry. But if someone if someone close to me die, I'm definitely crying now. So like yeah, I've changed. May, may I add to that? And 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 when you, so where what 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 I'm trying to get at. We're all at a certain point in our lives. Are we continuing the mindset that we still should hold things in? Or when you're amongst people that are in your circle, you're speaking to them, even the younger people in your circle, about these feelings now. Because maybe, I know we speak in this space, but maybe that would curtail some of the people ahead of us as well as the people behind us to not fall into the same trap because it's being spoken more because the awareness is there now that i guess that's where i'm trying to get with the questions i'm asking you okay truck i'm gonna smack you if you smack me <laughs> calm, calm down javet calm down <laughs> javet being gangster in the streets yeah um, May I add to yeah, that? Yeah, go ahead, Chief. Go right ahead. So uh, there's a number of things. Men have been individualized, so we don't have a, we don't have a tribe. You know what I'm saying? This is why young boys join gangs or get or more inclined to be part of a sports team because you can you you build a camaraderie in that sense. Everybody that's outside that circumference are usually individualized, and you have a certain expectation, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I was athlete. Trust and believe. We had them times. We on the sidelines. We angry. We crying. We we letting it out. But you, we had a safe space to do it in, right? We created. We we knew where we could, what where it was safe at, and where it wasn't safe at. And then the other aspect is, men are going to be less inclined to cry because again, we intellectualize everything. So it's like, okay, even if I cry. Does it fix the problem? It and most times it doesn't. So it's like it's unproductive. It's an unproductive release of emotion. Whether somebody sees that as well, you're pinning up a lot of aggression and anger, whatever the case may be. Well, what happens after you cry and the problem isn't fixed? In a man's mind, you become more angry because now you just whatever everybody said was a solution really wasn't a solution. It was just a moment in time, in space, to just vent or let that out. That may have been helpful to a degree, but it's a temporary release. It's a temporary, you know, Band-Aid. And unless you got some follow-up where somebody's saying, okay, now that you've released that, let's talk about where we go from here. 
How did you get from this point to that point? Right. That's that nurturing aspect. That's difficult for men to grab a hold of. Right. Because by design, we're not designed to be selfish, but because we live in a society that's that's designed the way it is, we find ourselves being selfish as a, as a state of survival. I mean, think about it. We live in a society where women call men the B word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how much things have changed psychologically. What is the what is the effect of that on your psyche? That's 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 worse than be that. You, so forget the forget the idea. You a sissy. You a girl just because you cry. No, you're gonna get called a B. It's going. It's taking you way to the depths of it, right? Like destroying your but core chief, identity. But chief, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you. I'm not necessarily speaking on the crying aspect. It's more so that outlet. I'm okay if a black man doesn't want to cry, but right now we're 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 trying to discern how can we help our men and our boys. Okay, so, so let it, me it, let me start. Let me start here. You just asked a critical question. But you, you you have to hear the answer. If you ask a critical question, it's important to hear the answer. What I mean by that is you're saying you think it's okay for men to cry, but men don't think it's okay to cry. So that's not the issue. It's the the I, the issue is out, an outlet can come in any form. Like some men go hunting, some men go fishing, some men do whatever they need to do to release. Right. We got we got ways that we we know how to release is releasing is not an issue. And then you stuck with having to define what uh, what is a release. Right. Are you talking? You know, because you, if you're if you're an audience listening, that could mean sexual, that could mean emotional, that could mean whatever. Right. To whoever the listener is. But on a, on a generalized level, we're talking about how do we have productive uh, in, internal communication, right? That that what's that head chatter sound like, and how do you deal with that head chatter? And what kind of space can you put yourself in that's going to like, like this space? So the, what what I'm saying right now is I'm speaking to a broader audience about a broader problem because everybody and anybody could be dealing with that very issue. So whether that's why I'm saying it can't. It's not just some. It's, it's just not that simple where you got this one answer. But the reality is we have to create a, a tribe. We have to create our find our village of men who can help us generate new thoughts, new ideas. It's like when you go get with your guys, your, your, your dudes, like especially if you're married and you go get with your dudes and y'all have a discussion about what you're dealing with at home. The people who are genuinely interested in your marriage or your relationship are going to give you some really good advice. Because it gave you a space to release or vent or cry or cuss or whatever it is. Most men don't have that because we spend the majority of our time competing with each other, not complimenting, not not uh, uh, having healthy interactions with other men. Right. It's, it's a very dysfunctional state we live in and we have to we have to gravitate to the, to those people who can we can we know we can align with and men are, as men we have to act on it right because the only thing that keeps us from acting on it 
forget all the conditioning. It's ego. Ego is the absence of self-love, right? We get back to self-love, then we'll figure out ways that we can vent. We'll see the solutions. But until we do that, ain't no, ain't no, there ain't no one answer. The final answer is, do you care about yourself? Do you love yourself enough to say, you know what? I give my I give myself permission to feel like I need to feel. And then I'm going to go through that process and I get stuck in it, go through the process. Men feel like, OK, if I cry, I might get stuck in that emotion because I built it up so long. Like Brother Dre was saying, I built that energy up so long. Now is the outcome is either something self-damaging, suicide, or I inflicted. I inflict my anger and my pain on somebody else because I don't have a place to put it. And it won't even be directed to the person it needs to be dealt with. Like you won't even go confront that issue. Is that that type of post-traumatic stuff that we that men men are dealing with in a broad way? That's why we create these men summits and these uh, mentorship programs because we're aware of the negative effects. We're aware of the social effects that are keeping us from being able to liberate ourselves emotionally. To, to heighten ourselves uh, intellectually, to do all the things that make us a better version of ourselves on a daily basis. So I'll land there. I hope I answered the question or responded in a way that's uh, productive. Thank you so much, Chief. Appreciate it. And uh, Javette, I appreciate your asking those questions. So it allow us it allowed us to go a little deeper. Thank you so much, Chief. Appreciate it. <coughs> I'm trying to close Chief's mic and I can't. Okay, Chief, your mic, your mic. Sorry, I was getting on the train. Oh, Hold okay. <laughs> Alright, uh, yeah. Okay, so thank you once again, and Javette, thank you for asking the questions. So how are we going to hold ourselves accountable for seeing to it that we put an end? Put an end, a stop, a period, whatever you want to call it to how we are raising our men. We have to. We have to. Men can be strong and be emotional. We have to create spaces for men to be able to, and I'm talking to us women now. For, let me turn to the women for a second. I'm talking to us women, aunts, sisters, mothers, grandmothers, caregivers, I'm turning to you for a second. And the reason I'm turning to you is that many of you are single mothers or raising men by yourselves. When that little boy runs to you crying, hug him up and let him tell you what's going on. Don't ask him why he's crying. Don't tell him to dry his tears, or I should say, don't ask him, why are Boys, and don't say to him, boys don't cry, men don't cry. Be that safe space for him to express, to vent, to release what's going on. Because what we don't want is men or little boys growing up to be men learning to bottle things up and when they can't take it anymore, they just explode 
Hence the reason we have so many killings being done by men. So we who play the maternal role, whether you, and being maternal doesn't mean you have to deliver a child, right? You don't have to. But those of us who are looked upon as being maternal need to allow our men, our boys to be able to release their emotions. Fathers and those who play the role of fathers in the lives of men, young boys coming up, be that safe space for them as well. You probably need to go and learn how to cry too. Learn how to let go of your emotions. Learn how to release. You're going to have to learn how to do it. So just as women have their groups that they can cry in and boohoo baha in, men probably need it too. And not chastise Moments. your brother for doing that. Go ahead, Chief. Yeah, so I, just, I also wanted to clear up what I said in the chat. Uh, about effeminization. So I, I, I figured that I learned about this a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I was in Germany and I was in the store and they had all the products that were banned in Germany were majority US products. And they identified them with a separate wall between products that contained BPA and other chemicals and products that were banned, they, they literally had a sign. Like, it's like, you can have this, but make your choice. It's banned in our country. These are the, you know, so whatever the, I don't know what the agreement was with the store, but it was like how we have the FDA and we have to, they have to, you know, give notice and make these kind of things. So bisphenol, I can't remember the exact full name, scientific name, but what BPA stands for. Mm -hmm. And what, what scientific studies have shown is that it effeminizes men. So it makes men more, more emotional, more like you're, it, there's a sense of, there's a certain level of um, endurance, uh, a mental, emotional endurance that men carry as a result of having a certain level of testosterone in your system, right? Because most of the things we're talking about are more hormonal. It's kind of like saying how the misdiagnosis of what a woman goes through when she has a menstrual cycle. In America, people, people consider you mental. But it's not mental. It's hormonal. It's a hormonal change that's taking place in your body. We don't honor it because we are being taught to perceive it as being psychological or mental. And it's not. If we dealt with it hormonally, we would have a different experience. And people would also respect the fact we would, we would value the hormonal changes that we go through. And we would know how to eat a certain way, how to, how to put ourselves, meditate more, put ourselves in a certain position, right? So now all the things that men are telling you know, try to tell women to do when they're going through a certain phase, whether it's menopause or uh, menstrual cycle, whatever it is, we're going to have to end up taking, we're going to take some of the same advice because we're the, the dynamic of how our bodies are being built are changing radically and we're not even cognizant of it, right? It, it's like, this is normal. There are certain behaviors that we're embracing that are not normal. And because, so what we're doing is we're catering to the change as opposed to understanding why there's a significant change, right? I went, the, the world I grew up in, boys didn't cry much, but we also were, we were also taught to have mental endurance, right? Like meaning if I fought, if my child fell off the porch, I'm not going to be like, oh, you okay, baby? No, that wasn't my style. 
I would say, oh, my God, you're a superhero. I can't believe you fell off the porch. You Do you know what you just did? You did so good. You got up. You And I swear to God, just by having that mental conversation to change the psychology of the experience, produce something else inside of my child and that experience and how that experience was perceived. I can use my mind, my intellect to help me transcend a particular moment of pain. We're not, our children are getting that. They're, they're not. They, it's, 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 it's some, there's some dysfunctional relationships that are happening between child and parent. You know what I'm saying? Like we got friendship role. It's just, it's a lot of stuff. I don't, I can't go too deep with it, but <laughs> right. it's because it, we could go forever. But anyway, I just wanted to explain that BPA phenomenon. Okay. Thank you, Chief. So BPA is a chemical that has been used to harden plastics for more than 40 years. It's everywhere. It's in medical devices, compact discs, dental sealants. Um, <coughs> Chief, your mic, your mic, your mic. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, water bottles, the lining of canned foods and drinks and many other products. The truth is more than 90% of us have BPA in our bodies right now. So if B and BPA is classified as estrogen, that's, it's a chemical compound, um, and the classification is estrogen. It's soluble in ethanol and alkali, all right? Uh, what are some health concerns of BPA? There, BPA has been shown to play a role in the pathogenesis of several endocrine disorders, including female and male infertility, precocious puberty, hormone-dependent tumors such as breast and prostate cancer, and several metabolic disorders, including polycystic ovary syndrome. Now, we talk about estrogen in BPA. So if estrogen is in BPA and women are naturally emotional, are we even more emotional? Because BPA is in us now, but we're still not killing, walking around and shooting our places. I don't get it still. Moments, if I could chime in for Yes, yes, here. Fabian, come in. What's up? Uh, I think we need to stop demonizing being emotional and that it's a feminine thing. And I, I just don't think, I think we're way too caught up on this gender thing here. Uh, some of the dudes I know are some of the most emotional, and I'm talking about my age group, you know, and it's so easy to lump lump everybody in this in this kind of group and say being emotional is a bad thing and 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 um you know and we compare generations so much i think it's unfair because what happened is we needed to tell this other side of the story where young boys young men were not allowed to show their true emotions in my generation growing up that was par for the course as a result, they had to stifle their emotions, their true feelings. Uh, they weren't allowed to talk and maybe say things that were going on with them outside of the house. So we really need to balance our, our whole debate here on this emotional side and, and what uh, was allowed, what was frowned upon, and just realize that um, we're all caught out different. You know, and I think men have this kind of uh, obsession 
with uh, with kind of impressing each other. They're kind of impressing each other. And you see it really manifest in cliques and groups growing up in school where, you know, the conversation is pretty much about what is a man? What does a man look like? What does a man act like? What does a man say? And we already have this kind of blueprint in place. And if anybody deviates from that blueprint, they are considered the oddball. You know, uh, if they if them cry too much or them, them laugh too much or them have a high-pitched voice, right away they're labeled as, as we know what, right? Right. Uh, when in fact they might they might not be of that of persuasion necessarily, but right away we love label people, and um, I think we need to focus on um, on empowering our children to feel what they want to feel without criticizing them, without telling them to shut up and be seen and not heard, and uh, really encourage that communication, no matter how it come out, I saw it come out. And let's stop labeling folks. But that's just that's just my spin on everything. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Fabian. Thank you, Chief. So moments. Yeah. In response to what Fabian said, um, I, I, he said one word that's really critical, and that is communication. Because a lot of what we're talking about, I think we sometimes blur the lines between um, emotion and communication, right? Because every child. The majority of children are raised to communicate or speak when asked to speak, speak when told to speak, right? Spe told how to speak. It's a, this communication thing, right? Think about if we had free-flowing communication. We and our children, you know, our children turn. The child turns five years old. The first thing they do is ask you immediate questions. Mama, why come this? And Daddy, why come this? And I, why, well, why come we got to do it that way? And then eventually you get to the point where it, if you got a parent that's not really engaged or doesn't wasn't didn't grow up with the uh, art of communication you tell children what because i said so mm -hmm. so they don't really learn anything and you have a communication issue that communication issue for a child whose brain is a sponge results in frustration right so that child becomes frustrated through the inability to communicate so it's it's not it's it's not so much that the emotion is what's being suppressed is the this the ability to communicate the suppression of that communication is what leads to emotional frustration so that's a product that's a byproduct of something else right this idea of manhood i think that what fabian said it works in some spaces but not all spaces black people are the only people who've had to deal with the confrontation of having your manhood redefined or destroyed outright Right. So we have had to literally redefine our own ideas of manhood. The problem is our examples come from outside of our culture. Right. So we take on somebody else's identity and somebody else's idea of what manhood looks like. Then we get ready to express it. It's if you ain't meeting the standard that's been culturally, it's culturally associated with, we deal with a whole set of different dynamics. Right. But at the end of the day, it's communication. All right. Great conversation. And yes, we could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> uh, thank you again, Chief. And thank you, Fabian. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Javed, um, Dre. Um, yeah, these are conversations we need to have. We definitely need to have. And we can now just uh, to close off, look at ourselves as parents, see what we need to do differently. 
the other day we spoke about we're following traditions and norms, many of which we don't even understand. We're just following them. We're just doing things for the sake of doing things and we don't know why we're doing things. For example, Monday night when we were in Days After Dark and someone put in the chat, women can't do what, a men, what men do and still be classified ladies. And of course, we challenge that. Who came up with that? Who wrote the rule? Do you know what you're saying and why you're saying what you're saying and why you're doing what you're doing and why you're holding this over somebody's head? A lot of times we don't. We just pick up, you know, when you walk out on the road and you just pick up garbage, we just pick up things. That's what we do. We're just picking things up and we don't know why we're picking it up. And we need to start analyzing our behaviors, our thought processes. We have to. We have to. You know, not to go too far off on a tangent, but I came across this um, video on TikTok and... <laughs> Here again is something that annoys the crap out of me. There's a man saying that he had thought that by the time he got to age 25, he would have had six children. He's now 50 and no woman has ever got pregnant for him. Ladies, what's wrong with you? Did he ever stop to check himself to get himself checked out? Probably he's the problem. Did he stop for a minute and say probably his purpose in this life is not to have children? Probably nothing is wrong with him. But his purpose is not to have children. Did he stop to think for a second that um, it's quite possible that the right woman has not come into his life yet? Did he stop to think about that? No. But this is something else I want us to unlearn in society. The fact that a woman can't have a child or does not get pregnant, automatically the blame is put on her. It's an ignorant way to think. And we need to let it go. And that is why a lot of times women will go and get pregnant by somebody else and come back and tell you it's your child. Not saying it's right. But it happens. We are the failure. When there are a lot of men walking around with, who are sterile. But they don't want to deal with that. Change our, the way we react to situations. Another thing I want to talk about is putting pressure on people. They're at a certain age and then they have a child. I want to you. Don't people have a choice? And so people go through life with these different burdens on their heads because they're not meeting certain mile markers according to societal norms. If a woman is 35 and she has not had her first child, something is wrong with her. Either no man no want her or she just can't breed. That's how people articulate the, you know, what's going on. If a man is 40 and has not yet had a child, brethren sitting around with you, 
Yeah, yes, man. Where did we get this these ideas from that that is how we, and let's use the word, communicate? Not everybody is meant to produce a child. Did we ever think about that for a second? And can you imagine the psychological burden we're putting on people? Can you, they're going through, going through their lives. And every day, they're hearing this. People who are married, no children, being bombarded with questions from family and friends and the, the world. Unnecessary pressures being put on other people. Why are we doing it? And I'm saying we because we may all have done it at one time or another. We're going to have to take account. Take an account of the things we say, the things we do. A man is single at 50, a warm to him. Going back to, to Fabian's point. We want to draw up conclusions because in our mind or according to how we've been socialized, you're supposed to have certain things by a certain time. And if a woman is single at, at 40, Lord of mercy, the world is coming to an end. We need to stop. Focus on being compassionate human beings. Focus on making sure that when we step into anyone's life, we are a positive light. Let us see how we can see to it that we are positive citizens moving around with love and in love. Put a smile on our faces more and stop worrying about other people's um, vaginas and, and, and their wombs and their ability to, and their testicles and their ability to reproduce. Let's stop worrying about that. We have work to do on ourselves. Some of us need demolition and a whole new building come back up. Some of us need some renovation. Some of us just need, you know, probably a few things, a new fresh coat of paint. Some of us need to fix ourselves mentally and emotionally before we start tearing down others. Donna, what are you saying? Did you ever stop to realize that it was a prank? You're talking about the one on um, social media that I'm talking about? No, I'm Yeah, if you're, if you're 50, you have multiple women, can't have a child and asking what's wrong with the women, you got to either be pranking somebody or maybe you was dreaming or something. Because if, if at this stage you're still blaming women and you think you're so perfect, well, no wonder why you... Well, that might be a blessing to tell you the honest truth. Because that poor child, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We have enough messed up people in the world, right? We have enough people who lack emotional intelligence and the ability to reason and think. We don't need more. You're right. But I went off on a tangent, didn't expect to go that far down the road. But anyway. Norfolk, um, 
waiting for it to come up. Okay, Norfolk Southern is giving over a thousand times more money to investors than to derailment victims. Story courtesy of CNN. Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw pledged on Tuesday the freight railroad will spend $6.5 million to help those affected by the release of toxic chemicals from its derailment nearly three weeks ago in East Palestine, Ohio. But in a plan released earlier this year, the company said it's planning to spend more than a thousand times that amount, $7.5 billion, to repurchase its own shares in order to benefit its shareholders. The company spent $3.4 billion on share repurchases last year and $3.1 billion in 2021, bringing its recent share repurchases to $6.5 billion. That towers over what it said is its financial commitment to East Palestine, which it said exceeds $6.4 million in direct aid to families and government agencies, in addition to what will be required in cleanup costs. There is no estimate as to the total cost to Norfolk Southern from the derailment, including the cost of cleanup that the EPA says will be the railroad's responsibility. In March 2022, Norfolk Southern announced a new $10 billion share repurchase plan. Its annual financial report filed just hours before the derailment this month shows that it still had $7.5 billion available to buy additional shares under that repurchase plan as of December 31. So here we're seeing again where our hearts truly lie. Shareholders over those who are suffering. Here we go again. And I understand that shareholders are important. I get it. But you're seeing to it that they're okay. You're making sure that they're okay. And spending as little as possible when it comes to the lives of those who have been affected. It's the American way. What can I say? We have developed a culture where we applaud people that so-called make mega profit for companies by exploiting others. Because there is no way that we cannot responsibly make money for the shareholders and at the same time cater for the public. It is not a zero-sum game. What can happen? But oftentimes we are so focused on the profit for the so-called shareholders that they neglect everything else and they have the power to to sway government and lobby and do all the stuff to break all the rules and they just don't care when are we going to hold these people accountable how are we going to hold them accountable because they pull the strings of a lot of the politicians are we going to make lobbying illegal these are questions to be had we probably need to make it illegal, Dono. We probably need to make it illegal. I think that was kill half the problem. Make it make lobbying illegal. I don't think that's going to stop anything. They'll find ways to to get the money to the people. I really do. Ah, oh boy, <laughs> you have a point there, to Fabian. At least we're thinking. <laughs> We have well wishes, right? 
We have hopes and dreams. We have solutions, but for us, they're practical. For them, they're not, right? Hi, and I just joined the room, but I, I heard a statement. Lobby illegal. I mean, isn't there a pro and a cons? Isn't there a benefit to lobbying? There's an upside and a downside. Um, is it the tool that is a problem versus how it is used? That's a question I'm throwing out there. There is negative and positive in everything, right, O'Neill? Good and bad. I want to think, I want to believe, and I'm putting that in quotations, I want to believe that lobbying came about with good intention. O'Neill, you got up and said, you know, you want to fight for change in these different areas. And I come and I say, yes, I agree with you. And I pump money into your campaign and I support you and I fund you. And I'm like, yes, we're going to get this because you're going to need the money to ensure that these positive changes happen. So I want to believe it started out with good intention. But like everything, here comes the bad. People look at it as an opportunity to get their personal agendas put in place. I think I think there is there has to be a reset because as it is right now, it is my opinion and I'm subject to correction that it is not serving the purpose for which it was meant to. The lobbying process is overtaken by big companies with multiple lawyers out there writing laws doing all the stuff just to promote their interest to the point where it is even very difficult for as you said the the groups that was it was meant i guess to promote to even make any headway there, there are companies with 20 30 100 lawyers on cases lobbying on their behalf they have the money the politicians Sometimes, I guess maybe they feel helpless. So sometimes we just have to change the rules. We could start over. We implement a, a scaled-down version. But as it is right now, it seems like it's not working. Reset. Where can we find a reset button? I think that horse has left the barn forever. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound cynical. No. Uh, the deep, the deeper pockets people will always prosper in, in this in this land. We know that, and that's just how it works. Um, I think we can do more on a community level, but but as far as lobbying, it has been around forever, and there's going to be corruption in everything that involves a lot of money. Unfortunately, I don't know how we can can I scale that back in any form but if anybody have any suggestions i'm listening though i just don't see it thank you yeah we're all looking for suggestions we're all looking for solutions we're all looking for something to remedy the situation at hand and i agree with you donald there can be a balance in the scales but we choose not to do so that's a choice but i say it's capitalism right as it is, I'm with Fabian. I, I am hoping it could change, but I can't see it. 
I, I can't see it. <laughs> well, a Florida bill that has been proposed would ban dogs from hanging their heads out of car windows. Story courtesy of NPR.org. Oh, boy. A new bill has been proposed in Florida that would enact a series of animal protections and guidelines, such as banning cat declawing, animal testing for cosmetics, and dogs hanging their heads out of windows. Florida Senate Bill 932, filed by state minority Democratic leader Lauren Book, says that dogs would not be allowed to stick any part of their bodies out of the window, ride in the driver's lap, or ride on motorcycles. Dogs traveling in motor vehicles would not be able to ride on roofs, fenders, or hoods. They would need to be secured in a size-appropriate crate and in a harness or pet seat belt and be under supervision from someone other than the driver, the bill says. Dogs would be able to ride in the beds of pickup trucks, but only in a crate that is secured to the truck and is big enough for the dog to sit, stand and turn around. Violators would be subjected to non-criminal traffic infractions, according to the bill. The bill also would make it illegal to declaw cats unless for therapeutic purpose, such as an illness or injury. Cats should not be declawed as it is their primary way to defend themselves in an attack and the procedure can alter a cat's behavior and how they walk. That's according to Peter. Veterinarians practicing declawing procedures could have their license revoked, be suspended, or be subjected to a $5,000 fine under the bill. Additionally, manufacturers would not be able to test cosmetics on animals unless it is necessary under federal or state law and in that case manufacturers would have to indicate animal testing on product labels floridians would also not be able to tether animals without supervising it tethering means to tie a domestic dog or a domestic cat to a stationary or inanimate object with a rope a chain or other means to restrict confine or restrain the animal's movement. Exceptions apply as if the animal, such as if the animal is being serviced by a vet or groomer, is participating in livestock herding, or is being trained for use in law enforcement. All right, sales of pet rabbits would also get an overhaul. They would not be permitted to be sold on any streets, flea markets, or open-air venues, or during the months of March and April. Violations would be considered second-degree misdemeanors under the bill. Finally, the bill would establish a registry for people convicted of animal abuse. Registrants would have their social security numbers and driver's license numbers published and remain on the list for three years after a first misdemeanor offense, five years after a first felony offense, and 10 years after any further offenses registrants also would not be allowed to own or work with animals <laughs> i'm sorry i'm laughing I'm... <laughs> go ahead no one... Vivian. if i see one more driver pass me with a with a poodle in at a front seat Paying more attention to the poodle than the damn street itself. I don't know, man. You're going to leave me alone. Hey, <laughs> let, let, let them love talk about how the pets have the separation anxiety. 
I don't pet one of them have the separation anxiety. Make them move and go. Anyway, let me get off, mate. You gonna leave me alone, Fabian. I lost I lost my poor poodle. He died from old age. And then my son's Bijan died from old age. I've been begging my husband for me to get another dog, but he ain't paying me no mind. <laughs> he ignoring me. Up to this week, I beg, can I please get another dog? But um, I think they're the cutest little things. Um, these pets. But <laughs> I think they're being a little extreme, if you ask me. How on earth, and this is where, what I'm finding a little extreme. If it's me and the dog, I mean, I care the dog got a vet or to the groomer or whatever, to go to the mall or to the park, whatever, don't judge me. Um, and it's me alone. How am I going to have somebody for monitor the dog around at the back? <laughs> I want to know, so you're telling Leave them home. <laughs> And if I see one more dog in a baby carriage. <laughs> in the mall, right? Yes. I'm, I'm with you, baby I'm, I'm with you. I'm right there. No, I'm with you on that one. I'm peeking for trice to the baby. What this big old dog face? Look back for me. How about a pug with those big eyes? Oh, there? my God. Oh, my Listen, I love dogs to death, but yes, I, I agree. There are certain things that are a no-no. For example, you want to hear the no-no for me? The no-no for me is the dog in the supermarket. That's a no. And what's getting me now is that they're putting the dogs in the, you know where you used to put your child? That, what you call that top part of the, um, the, the cart, of the shopping cart? You know where you put them in? They're putting the dogs there. And they're petting the dogs while they're going up and down the aisles and they're touching things on the shelves and then you go and pick it up. They're, uh, I understand if it's a service animal, I get it. But some people are labeling their pets service animals and they're not. They're not. I do not like the dogs in the damn supermarkets. Minna business. That's a no-no for me. We have to draw the line somewhere. Give you a joke. Every morning, there's a woman. It's a black woman. She goes um, for her walks on the street. And she's sweating. I mean, we've been on this side for about six years now. And she hasn't lost any weight. I'm not going to lie. Because she's always on her phone. She's sweating, though. But she's on her phone constantly and she's pushing a stroller and it's a dog in the stroller i'm like why would i have the dog i walk with your lady but yeah the stroller thing i, I get it fabian it's hilarious yeah you'll be because you know we jamaican we're fast like not me i pop my neck for looking at the stroller only if it's a dog is this a bill or an ordinance it's a bill Oh my God! But you put human beings in cages that you deport from Mexico. Exactly. God. You know what I'm against too? Dogs in restaurants. They're not service dogs. I remember we went to yes. We went to Joe's Crab Shack once, and we're sitting there, and this woman has the dog, and I can't remember if it was in her lap or in her purse, but she's feeding the dog, and they had to ask her to leave. When there's a when Marlon used to work at this club in um, Doral, a woman would bring her dog to the club. <laughs> that 
you explain that to me? What the hell are you doing with the dog in the club? Saying she needs the dog for <laughs> emotional support in the club. I don't want them in the planes. If you're blind, I understand. But I have allergies. Nobody asking me if I'm allergic. Yeah. I don't want your pet next to me in a plane. I'm sorry. I don't. Javed, you just got through talking about it. Javed, Javed, what? What? You just got through talking about it. That's the outlet. That's the outlet. Let that be. Let it be. Just get off the plane, honey. My outlet. (laughs) Put on your N95 mask. My outlet is I'm traumatized with them next to me. Your outlet is get out. (laughs) (laughs) You get a special section that only people with pets sit in a certain area of the plane and then everybody else can be in other seats. You know what? I have to agree with Javed on that. I have to agree with Javed on that because it is true. Dogs (laughs) that shed are supposed to be outside, right? I cannot have a dog that sheds inside the house and that's why we had to go with a poodle and a bichon because they are hyperallergenic right so if you if you love dogs and you want to have your dogs inside the house and they don't shed you have to go with a hyperallergenic dog you're talking like labradoodles um poodles um bichons oh my gosh i forgot and there are a couple more you can research them but those are good to have inside i agree if for people traveling on a plane Imagine I buy a ticket and I have a, there's a beautiful, I love golden retrievers. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there's a, and I get there and there's a beautiful golden retriever. I'm going to be sneezing all the way because we are in cabin. The air is just circulating. No, that's a huge no, no. I agree. Put y'all them somewhere. Mad. Yeah. Put them somewhere else in the place. Y'all, <laughs> y'all are going to be mad when they call it the Rosa Park section. You know what? It'll be it'll be y'all's fault. You know I'm what? I'm gonna be good with it. It's I'm gonna okay. be good. I'm alright with that. But it's true. People, I agree. People, everyone that I know that I come around because my family has dogs, they like to lick me. It is the most pissed feeling ever. <laughs> they like to lick me. Moments. Feet. I'm with you. Don't say nothing. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, you know. What? Every single, every time I step in the room, they just kind of gravitate toward me, and do, it it irks me. Do they sniff your crotch? Oh my god! That's how they mark you. That's how they mark you. That's how they get to know you. They sniff your crotch. That's what dogs do. Yes, <laughs> yes. My cousin has one that recently started doing that, and it's like that is the most disgusting thing ever. That's even worse than licking my toes. <laughs> But but we have to I have to agree, Javet. We have to respect other passengers on airplanes. Not everybody likes dogs either. Some people are grossly afraid of dogs. And you're saying to them, Oh, dogs don't bite. Every dog bites is just you don't know when and what the situation in which they will. Um when you're booking a ticket and you're traveling with pets do and do they tell the next person who books that someone with a dog booked a ticket nope and i think that's unfair they need to let you know so that you can choose an alternate seat because not everybody wants to sit next to a dog (laughs) (laughs) i thought marlon was on the phone you know what be quiet Imagine, imagine the dog in a first class and we have to walk to the back of the damn plane. 
What? Get your coins up, Fabian. Jeez, <laughs> what about, do you remember a couple of years ago, the dog up in West Palm Beach in Boca Raton that wore the tennis um, diamond necklace? The uh, It was a greyhound. As a matter of fact, there's more than one. She, I don't know if the woman is still alive, but she had a pair of greyhounds and they wore the finest jewelry. Mm-hmm. There are some first class dogs going around the world. I right. wonder if they ever got their chain snatched. <laughs> you know what? So, oh my gosh. West Virginia's bill allowing concealed guns at colleges is one step away from law. Story courtesy of NPR.org. A bill that would allow people to carry concealed weapons at public college campuses in West Virginia passed by a landslide in the state's House of Delegates on Tuesday. The measure now heads to the desk of Governor Jim Justice, a Republican. He has not made any public indication of whether he will sign it into law. Current laws in West Virginia prohibit carrying guns on public college and university campuses. But... This bill, which did not gain enough traction when introduced in 2018 and again in 2019, would allow people with concealed carry permits to have pistols or revolvers on campuses starting July 2024. The Campus Self-Defense Act was passed 29 to 4 in the state's Senate chamber last week and then 84 to 13 in the state's House on Tuesday. The bill strictly prohibits any carry of guns on uh, open carry rather of guns on public college campuses and does not allow guns in high capacity areas like stadiums. How do y'all feel about that? Are we okay with students, these young minds? Granted, colleges and universities do not only have young people. There are people in their when we say young people, we're talking about between 18 to 24. You also have people in various age brackets who attend college, furthering their degrees or just going for a first degree or certification, whatever the case is. How do we feel about this? But I know people are going to focus on the young folks in particular. Go ahead. Go right ahead. I'm not comfortable with it, especially with the last conversation we just had about emotional intelligence and being able to have an outlet. I think the gun should stay with security only. Okay. Um, will it... Hold on a second. Let me just double check. Are you okay, Javette, with uh, lecturers, administrative staff, the adults so to speak nope because they're crazy too hmm. why do i feel that it's going to um get signed especially in light of what just happened because the argument is going to be and i'm sure that is what transpired i wasn't there i wish i was i wish i was a fly on the wall but i'm sure the argument that is being pushed is that look at what happened where the man went on campus and shot the people. Just, was it last week, right? So yes, people need, you know, if someone had a gun, they probably would have shot him. I, I guarantee you that's what they're going to use because that experience, that scenario, that trauma is still fresh. Not everyone that has a gun knows how to use it properly. Facts. So I think you need just to have more security 
may it be locked doors as well as trained people or trained people, professional people that know how to use their guns safely. If it's a teacher, then the teacher should go to a specific course to make sure they know how to handle and use their guns properly. Not just any old body having a gun and bringing it. Right, right. I, I understand the sentiment, but most of us are dying by people who are trained to use guns. Hmm. And I think it has to be a different criteria. I think you even need psychological examinations or something if you're gonna be in an institution where you are in where you may be in a position to utilize your firearm. I think there needs to be aptitude. You know, something that says that shows that you went through something that showed how you respond in a emergency situation. And it just there needs to be something bigger than that. And even having insurance in case you you do do the wrong thing and kill a student accidentally you know i agree i agree yeah so how legislation in other states compares similar similar legislation already exists in 11 other states didn't even know this arkansas colorado georgia idaho kansas mississippi oregon tennessee texas why am i surprised about texas utah and wisconsin other states have taken different approaches to the issue in montana the state legislature passed a similar bill to allow concealed carry on public college campuses, but the Montana Supreme Court reversed the law last June. That's according to Montana Public Radio. In Texas, Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill known as the Campus Carry Law in 2015. It allows licensed individuals to carry concealed firearms, but gives public universities some discretion to regulate campus carry. That's according to the University of Texas, Texas, sorry, at Austin's website. For example, the University of Texas at Austin's regulations prohibit guns at athletic events and in businesses where the majority of revenue is from alcohol sales. Guns are allowed in classrooms and common areas of residence halls. How you feel about that over there in Texas? Javette? I didn't know. I'm sorry, I stepped away. Right. So already in Texas, there is a campus carry law which has been there since 2015. It allows licensed individuals to carry concealed firearms, but gives public universities some discretion to regulate campus carry. For example, at the University of Texas, uh, there are regulations that prohibit guns at athletic events and in businesses where the majority of revenue is from alcohol sales. Guns, however, are allowed in classrooms and common areas of residence halls. I think the gun laws here in Texas are just becoming a little bit too strange because as a concealed handgun owner, I can't take my gun into a mall. Hmm but you can take it into the common areas of residence halls on the university. Hmm. That don't make no sense, um, Javette. Is it me or did I lose Javette? Okay. It's probably my um, connection. Okay. 
I'm not sure where you what you heard, but there are certain places that I can't take my gun, and I'm not supposed to take my gun to any place that are is around schools. <laughs> but you're going to allow it in a college campus, which is still considered a school. Yeah, that don't make no sense. I can't. I'm not supposed to have guns on the playground. You know, it's it's just weird. The laws are weird. That's yeah. Go figure. You can't take it to the mall. You cannot take it to the school, but it's allowed on the school. I don't know. Uh, Texas, what's up? What's going on over there, Greg Abbott? All right. Unlikely alliances in Supreme Court opinions on overtime and death penalty, courtesy of NPR. The U.S. Supreme Court defied its usual 6-3 conservative liberal split in two decisions on Wednesday. One involved who qualifies for overtime pay. The other, Arizona's refusal to apply a Supreme Court precedent in death penalty jury instructions. The overtime case was brought by Michael Hewitt, a highly paid oil rig supervisor who sued his employer, Helix Energy Solutions Group, contending that because he was paid on a daily basis, he was entitled to overtime pay for his typical 84-hour, seven-day weeks on the job. The sole question in the case was whether, under the Fair Labor Standards Act, he should be paid time and a half for hours worked beyond 40 hours a week. Helix Energy claimed that Hewitt, who earned $200,000 a year, was exempt from the overtime requirement because he was a quote-unquote bona fide executive. The court, by a 6-3 vote, sided with Hewitt. Writing for the majority, Justice Elena Kagan said that Helix did not pay Hewitt a salary as defined by federal regulations. Instead, it paid him as a daily worker. If he worked one day in a given week, he was paid for just that day. If he worked no days, he got no money. Daily rate workers of whatever income level are not paid a base salary under Labor Department regulations, Kagan wrote, adding that Helix's various policy claims cannot justify departing from what the rules say. Those rules date back to the 1940s, she observed, noting that a salary is defined as, and I quote, fixed compensation regularly paid as by the year, quarter, month, or week. In addition, under the regulations, salaried employees get paid a week's salary even if they do not work the full week. Although Kagan conceded with Hewitt, and well, conceded that Hewitt was a high income earner, Helix's position, she said, would create disturbing consequences. And those consequences would be for lower income workers who are at the heartland of the FLSA's protection. In short, it would deprive daily workers earning less than $100,000 of overtime pay. Joining Kagan's opinion were Chief Justice John Roberts and Justices Clarence Thomas, Sonia Sotomayor, Amy Coney Barrett, and Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Dissenting were Brett Kavanaugh, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch. Now when we talk about the death penalty option, 
The death penalty opinion was the latest rebuke to the state of Arizona for refusing to comply with a 1994 U.S. Supreme Court decision, Simmons versus South Carolina. That required judges to instruct juries in capital cases that a sentence of life in prison means life without the possibility of parole in states where that is the case. In Arizona, however, judges continued to avoid doing that. And in 2016, the Supreme Court drove home its original point, ruling in an unsigned opinion, Lynch versus Arizona, that it was fundamental error to conclude that the Simmons decision did not apply in Arizona. All right, let's go back to the first one, overtime pay. I feel if I'm not a salaried employee, and I think salaried employees are taken advantage of like crazy. You work longer hours. <laughs> okay. Um, I believe if you are not a salaried employee, regardless of what your hourly wage is, if you work over 40 hours, you ought to get the, the, the overtime, the time and a half. I'm not sure how it works in every state, but in some states, if you have to work on a Sunday, it's double. If you have to work on a holiday, it's triple. And I do believe that if we look at it and say someone who earns 200 or over $100,000 should not have to or should not be entitled to the overtime pay, they have worked 70 hours, 30 hours in excess, right? Hourly pay. Let's not forget that. I can't agree with that. Right is right. Pay them. If you didn't want to pay them overtime, your contract should have been written in such a way that they understand this is what you're getting. Full stop. Period. I may be wrong. What's your view on that? Because I'm paying you 200000 you don't get any more? So I'm giving you free labor is what you're, I'm to give you free labor is what you're, you're telling me as an employee or a con, whatever. That's what you're telling me. Because in your mind, you're paying me enough. But the rules are the rules. The rules are the rules. So this is what, this is for like hourly employees yeah, that, hourly. that make, yeah, they, I mean, they should be paid overtime. If they work overtime, it doesn't matter. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the rules are the rules. I'm with you with that. But um, you said that you think salaried employees are, are being taken advantage of. We are taken advantage of. Um, it depends on the company. I'm salaried. And um, I, I don't feel like I'm taking advantage, been taken advantage of because of, the other, <laughs> because of the other benefits that, 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 that comes with my job still. So um, actually... I, I I work off the clock all the time, mm -hmm. but as 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 I I mentioned yesterday, like one of the things that I like, I have um, unlimited PTO. Okay. So when I when I'm ready, I I take off a month and still getting paid. So like, it, I think it's the benefits that they offer. But back to the topic though, if if you're hourly and you work overtime, you should get paid. I don't know what they're trying. They're trying to scam people right there. That's exactly that's what not it fair. is. Because what I feel would happen here, um, as was pointed out in the article, Dre, is that 
people who make less than a hundred thousand, they're gonna get scammed out of their money. That's my honest feeling. And you know, people are only up gonna operate off of a proper moral compass for a while, and then all of a sudden they're gonna take time and remove it. It's no longer gonna be a part of HR policy where if you work more than forty hours as a as a um what you what's the title non-exempt as I go you have exempt and non-exempt. Oh my gosh. Somebody that's right. That's right. Okay. That's yeah. Non-salary. Yeah. They're going to start taking advantage of those people. They need people who are not salaried need to be protected. Me not care if you have pay me $10,000 hour. If my work one hour in excess of 40 hours, please pay me my time and a half. That's how much? $15,000? Yeah. Give me my $15,000 for that one hour. I don't care. What's up? That's right. <laughs> for that hour, yeah. For that hour. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. We're always trying to see how we can pull a fast one or get one over on folks. We need to cut it out. Cut it out. Please, cut it out. Uh, next up, deaths in custody are a crisis, but data on them is a black hole, a new report says. The U.S. government does not know how many people die in law enforcement custody or while imprisoned each year. That's according to a new report by the Leadership Conference Education Fund and the Project on Government Oversight. Citing data from the U.S. Government Accountability Office, the report says the federal government likely undercounted deaths in custody in 2021 alone by nearly 1,000 compared with other public data sources. This information black hole is despite a federal law from 2014, the Death in Custody Reporting Act. And what is that? It exists to compel law enforcement agencies' transparency on this issue. And under DCRA, the Justice Department is supposed to collect state and local data on these deaths. This remains a problem even as federal agencies say they are cracking down on the lack of transparency in policing. Just last year, President Biden signed an executive order to advance accountability in policing and criminal justice practices. People are dying during incarceration, detention, and in police custody every day. Yet we have no idea who they are, how they die, or how best to prevent future deaths. That's according to Bree Spencer, Interim Senior Program Director for Justice Reform at the Leadership Conference Education Fund. Congress passed the Death in Custody Reporting Act to solve this problem and reduce preventable deaths, but agencies are failing to implement it. The Education Fund is the education and research arm of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, a coalition of civil rights groups. The Project on Government Oversight is a nonpartisan, independent government watchdog. The findings from the report, a matter of life and death, the importance of the Death in Custody Reporting Act, come as available data indicates a worsening problem for deaths in custody. The publication of this analysis also follows the high-profile police killing of Tyree Nichols, the 29-year-old black man, last month. The DCRA requires every law enforcement agency at the state, tertiary, and federal level to collect data on the deaths of people transported, detained, or arrested by law enforcement 
and those who died while incarcerated. And the information, folks, is supposed to be submitted to the U.S. Attorney General with details on the time and location of the death, the the decedent's personal information, the circumstances surrounding the death, and the agency involved. All right. On a plan for clean that up? Clean up what? Hmm. Nothing is missing. How can they not know? They know. They know. And they play the numbers for a reason. The Santa's set up there in Philly, in the suburbs of Philly and Staten Island, that he backs the blue, right? He supports whatever the police are doing, whatever. He supports it, right? So... There ain't going to be no change. They don't want change. It's going to make them look bad. They already look bad. It's going to make them look even worse. That's what it is. They don't want to be held accountable because they are losing money. Lawsuits. So now, you know, they don't want that out there. And then you have those who work in these facilities across the judicial system who because you have been arrested in their mind you're already guilty right i don't know why they have this saying you're guilty you're innocent until proven guilty i don't know why they have that because that's bs almost curse sorry that's bs um do away with that please remove that from the vocabulary because the minute you're arrested you're guilty you're guilty until proven innocent not the other way around. And in their mind, you're guilty. And so they're going to treat you any and anyhow. That's not, you're no longer a human being. They treat the dogs better, right, Donna? <laughs> Your dog has to be in a cage if he's sitting on the back seat or has to be wearing that lap belt to make sure the seat belt for dogs to make sure no harm comes upon him. And he has to, that's what we're pushing for in Florida folks. And the dog has to have someone dog sitting in the back. <laughs> if you're driving the dog. Hmm? And if you're not protecting the dog, you will be ticketed traffic violation. Yeah. Something's messed up with us. Something's really messed up with us. Speak the truth. Y'all like to talk about in, in court. I promise to speak the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God speak the truth. Put the truth out there no matter what. This. Isn't that how it's supposed to be? After all, we're paying you. It's taxpayers' dollars, isn't it? Oh, but remember, there are private investors involved. Hmm. Not going to be a good look. Ain't going to be looking too cute. Javette, where did you find this one? Unlicensed Houston woman sent to prison for manslaughter after a woman dies from a silicone butt injection. All right. It's 2023. Social media, news. It's in the palm of your hands. How many times have you heard about people dying from silicone butt injections? And you still go do it? So, whose fault is it now? Hmm? 
The victim died from silicone pulmonary embolism after returning home to Missouri from having two injections from Lisa Fernandez, prosecutors said. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Just to look at her alone, I would not even let her inject me with a COVID shot. Sorry. A Houston woman. <laughs> Sorry, so, so, moments. She's actually been in jail for a while. So, I sent this because I... I think she's like the first person that's actually um, being sentenced for doing this. Huh. Is she the first one? Didn't we have a couple of them here in Florida? You know, South Miami. We're yeah. notorious for that mess. Is that the Florida woman? No, this is no, 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 this meant this Okay, okay. Yeah, in, no, in Florida, they put cement in your butt. There was a cement, yeah. Yeah. They put cement in your butt down here. Yeah. Oh, I saw one. I, I went out to eat someplace down here. And I saw this woman. She was going to the bathroom. And I was the one. And I was like, holy shit. That's the biggest butt I've ever seen in real life. I've seen some online. But whoa. And then my aunt's like, no, they come, that's, this is what they do down here. They come. They really come to do it. And then when she came back from the bathroom, she saw because their angle. She was sitting. She was like. Her eye nearly popped out of her head. She was like, what? Like, yeah, I tell you, that thing was the biggest thing I ever seen. <sighs> so that I see them every day. And I am no, cracking yeah. up. I am Miami hysterical. Beach was the first time I realized how plastic Florida was when I went to Miami Beach. I was like, whoa. And it's so hot down here. I don't know how they're not melting. <laughs> the, the other reason why I said it, because further down in the article... They speak on what silicon does to your body yes. when it travels. Yes. And I know that people are still doing it. Yeah. So that's another reason why I sent the article. So let me read that part. Thank you. Thank you. I said I started talking too soon, Javette. But but um so Dr. Matthew Greaves with UT Health Houston Memorial Herman explained why silicone is not approved by the FDA for these kinds of injections. It travels in your bloodstream to your heart and your lungs. And in cases, it can cause a massive blood clot. I didn't curse Jamaica, but that's what it is. And composed of silicone in your lungs. It can deposit in your lungs, which is fatal. Nationwide, several people have died from illegal silicone injections. And here in Houston, the district attorney's office urged other potential victims to come forward. It's a health risk. Men, if your woman ever come to you and says she won't get silicone or um, in her butt, please do not give her the money to do so. Do not encourage her to do so. Woman. If any of your friends come to you and say, I'm going to get silicone in my butt, please do not encourage them. Dissuade them as much as you can. It's a health risk. Having that big booty, 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 booty can cost you your life. It's not worth it. Go do some squats with weights. May take a year, for you know, but go do some squats. People have transformed their bodies through exercise. Just love yourself, people. Just love yourself. Do we really know how to do it? Who remembers the one from Lady Saw? Oh, you do your breasts and your looks, so. <laughs> you know, let me behave myself. Let me stop. 
let me behave myself but i'll never forget she was performing where was she performing again and she did that one oh you do your body and you look so no silicone no cement okay let me stop ah thank you for sending that one over but it is a serious matter thank you Jeve. it's a serious matter folks loving yourself is so important when i look at myself in the mirror trust me some things me need would i love to fix but hell no i ain't doing it i ain't doing it and lay i'm lazy me here talking about the exercise yes i'm lazy i'm not consistent when it comes to exercise not not at all and i know i lack discipline where that is concerned i want the outcome but i'm not willing to put the work in but i'll tell you this much i'm not going under the knife went under the knife what twice in my life one for a c-section the other time to tie my tubes i ain't going back under no knife so i have to learn to love myself and if i'm not happy with what i see in the mirror hit the mat i did set up the workout area and i've used it probably twice shame on me because nobody's holding me accountable thank you tasha appreciate you much for not holding me accountable oh my god <laughs> i'm sorry i just came from panera and a woman came in right next to me with her new butt <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. i know it's not her butt because the other thing is for some reason, some of them aren't shaped properly. You know, like when a baby is born, they say that you should rub their head a certain way so it can yes. be shaped properly. I don't think they're doing that with these injections or, or whatever they're doing. <laughs> but <laughs> I am dying now for right here. <laughs> I can't have you feeling on my butt, but because <laughs> you can't slap that butt either. You better not slap it. You can't, you can't, you can't. All right, before we take a break, um, PNP, we're heading back to Jamaica for a quick second. PNP condemns government for ending visa-free travel for Cubans. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM. The opposition People's National Party, PNP, is blasting the wholeness government for the move to end visa-free access for Cubans. In a post on social media site, website Twitter, opposition spokesperson on foreign affairs and foreign trade, Lisa Hanna, says it is remarkably disappointing that Jamaica would take this route. She says Jamaica and Cuba have had a good relation. Cuba has been good to Jamaica over the years. According to Ms. Hanna, Jamaica has, in response, become what she describes as primarily silent and compliant. Ms. Hannah says if what she says is the wholeness administration's doctrine of doing nothing continues, Jamaica will run the risk of destroying its enviable reputation of courage and activism in the international arena. The foreign affairs spokesperson says the government will also erode years of consistently approaching decision-making on principle which she says has served Jamaica well and brought desired results. And I'm going to have to agree with her on that. I have to agree with her on that. You can't do this. Come on, come on, come on, wholeness, Andrew, wholeness, and your government. You can't do this. They just went back about 10 years yep. with this one decision. I mean, Cuba, for her, Cuba has been there for, I mean, all of the Caribbean, not just Thank Jamaica. Thank you. And why are we trying to separate ourselves from the people in the region right at this stage? You know what it sounds like, Donna? Everybody's trying to come together. CIA. 
I'm not going to say it's CIA, but it sounds as though we are being told to do this. The JLP always been that CIA US party. And I, 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 I'm done right there. That's all I have to I'm say. I'm not liking it. Cuba has been reaching out their hands to the entire Caribbean from forever. It's time we start to embrace Cuba. It's time we start to embrace Haiti. It's time the Caribbean start to embrace each other and forget about these artificial boundaries they're trying to, 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 to draw. Let us embrace each other. Let us do business with each other. Let us interact with each other. You don't have to agree with every policy every country have. But there is lots of room for us to come together as a region so that we can all benefit. And until we get to realize that, we'll be struggling individually. I don't know what's going to happen. But, but we can see the writing on the wall, right? We can see the writing on the wall. We know exactly what's going on. This is too obvious. Well, let me speak for myself. This is too obvious for me. Why would you end that kind of relationship? Uh, with, you know, let's look at the history of Jamaica and Cuba. Go back and look at the history. And let's look at more recent times. Many doctors go to Cuba for their training. And when you talk about how instrumental Cuba has been within the Caribbean region, Cuba has sent doctors to almost every single island in the Caribbean. You cannot put a price on it. Look at the scholarships the Caribbean received from Cuba. I mean, all the countries, not just... And Jamaica has been a very big benefactor. Thank you. Thank you. And as you so um, eloquently stated, you don't have to agree with a country's policies. But you're going... So now, Jamaica... It was going on before. So what may I better feel that sound alarmed for? It's been going on. We have been told what to do all along. And now, even more now. Come on, Jamaica. Took... I'm going to say this. Pick your side. The U.S. or China. Pick your side. You see, the difference between U.S. and China, and I don't mean to go off on this, but I'm going to have to bring it up. The difference between U.S. and China. The U.S. comes to you. I needed to do this. And you say no. Boom. Sanctions. Then block you. Right? That's so. You can't tell them no. How dare you tell them no? They're spoiled. They're Trump-like in behavior. President Donald Trump is exactly who America is. When America doesn't get what America wants, that's what you get. Trump-like behavior. Now, China will come and they will offer something. And you turn it down. Okay, no problem. And they come back again. And they offer something. No, and they come back again, and you know, but they're never going to sanction you, right? Because China is about business, they are looking at development of your infrastructure because it's a business move for them. If the US, hold on, Donald, if the US was smart, they would probably take on that approach. Now, we let's stop for a second. China has been in Jamaica for the past couple of years. 
building the infrastructure. Yes, we understand it's a loan. We understand we're indebted. We, we get that. But at least they have come in and done more for Jamaica than what has the U.S. done for Jamaica in terms of infrastructure on a grand scale. What has the U.S. done? What has the U.S. done for any country on a grand scale within the Caribbean? Let's be real about it. Step back for a second. But they want to tell you how to run your show. And if you don't do it in accordance with them and what they want, you are a problem. So we are where we're going to do. We're going to hang you. Publicly. Jamaica. Prime Minister Andrew Holness. I implore you to think seriously about this decision. Let us think about the impact the negative effect that it's going to have. Let us not be ungrateful. Which, you know, if you check TikTok, them said that's how Jamaicans say. Them said Jamaicans are so ungrateful people. Well, right now, Mr. Holness, you are showing us as such. Turn we back on Cuba. Is that what we really want to do? Where is the unity, as Donald just pointed out? We are more alike than we are different. You better believe it. We all have the same struggles. Come on. I, JLP administration, go back to the drawing board and wheel and come again because this no look good. Not cute. I think you're going to regret this. You're going to regret it. Not sure what exactly made them agree to make that decision. Not sure at all, but something. Is there something greater to be gained that we're not aware of? But they also have a saying, the higher monkey climbs, the more he exposes himself. So be careful. Don't get up on no high horse. Be very careful. What could be the real reason for wanting to end visa-free access for Cubans? Are the Cubans taking over Jamaica? Are they coming there and wreaking havoc on the island? What are they doing in Jamaica? Are they a bother to Jamaicans and Jamaica? Hmm? What's going on? Talk to me. What's the reason? I'm waiting. Going to take a quick break when we return. Let me not say a quick break. We're going to enjoy some Barony and the Dragoners. Um, yeah. Hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. Playing the band's songs today. It's not all about Soka and Calypso. Barony was very instrumental in ska as well. If you didn't love me, dear, why didn't you let me know? Darling, you left me in tears, and I don't know what to do. 
Thank you to everyone listening online, janoradio.com and qmzradio.com. Thank you to everyone rocking with me here on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. Keep it locked. Taking your way back, Byron Lee and the Dragonairs.
for quality music while you work or play, remember to keep it logged on to www.qmzradio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Today, I am paying homage to my father who passed away six years ago exactly today. He was an avid fan of Byron Lee and the Dragonairs. That's why I'm playing his music today because normally I would play, you know, Calypso or Soka on a Monday. This instrumental is titled Walk Like a Dragon. another oldie but goodie behold and no it's not sunday for those who are just tuning in on qmz radio at jadoradio.com i know these are songs you'd probably hear on a sunday afternoon in jamaica behold featuring the blues busters
For everyone listening on JanoRadio.com, if you have not already downloaded the Jano Radio app, please go ahead and do so. It is available in the Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, J-A-H-K-N-O, take us on the go. A big thank you to my Clubhouse family for rocking with me. Appreciate you. Without you, Coffee and Toe would not be what it is. Thank you so much. All right, it's time for us to go ahead and get back to business. Now we're going to dive into business and tech news. Talking about money, Amazon closes a $3.9 billion buyout of health company One Medical, courtesy of Associated Press. One day, one day in my dreams, one day. Uh, Amazon on Wednesday said it has closed its $3.9 billion acquisition of the primary care organization, One Medical. Wow. Dollars, dollars, dollars. What would that would look like in my bank account? The e-commerce giant has said the buyout, which was announced in July, is a key component of its growing healthcare business, which includes its online drugstore, Amazon Pharmacy, and a patient-to-doctor messaging service called Amazon Clinic. One Medical, which was owned by a Francisco-based One Life Healthcare Inc., has about 815,000 members and 214 medical offices in more than 20 markets. Its membership-based service offers virtual care as well as in-person visits. The two companies said on Wednesday membership to the service will be available to new U.S. customers for $144, a 28% discount for the first year. Well, auto anti-monopoly groups have been calling on the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, to block Amazon's purchase of the company, arguing it would endanger uh, patient privacy and give the online retailer more dominance in the marketplace. Last September, both One Medical and Amazon received a request for additional information from the FTC in connection with a review of the merger. Though the agency has not brought forth a lawsuit to block the merger, it is not ruling out any challenges in the future. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Go ahead. Go before me, Donald. Go before me. Go before me. Go before me. You know, that's a catch-22 here because in one instance, you have to try to do something to prevent these big organizations from just buying out companies and monopolizing spaces. But on the other hand, when you look at the way the healthcare system is working in America, we probably need somebody with an Amazon model to come and shake up stuff a bit, to come and probably lower prices for stuff, or really cause people to start to question what is happening in that space. So maybe it might be good. 
Yeah. But for me, I think we have to be very careful with these mega companies just buying up certain industries or buying up certain companies, certain mergers and acquisitions. We have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I, I'm not too fond of the idea them becoming a monopoly in the healthcare industry. Um, but as I was reading the article and I was saying Amazon, they're, they're really trying to be like the Amazon jungle that has everything in it. Um, how does virtual patient care work, patient to doctor care work? Is it truly um, a good service? Because I'm thinking about you going to a doctor's office and I'm thinking most recently, right? And I had to take my son to the doctor's office. Everything is there. You have to get imaging done. The x-ray station is right there. If you need to get a, um, what you call it, an ultrasound, that is right there. If you need an MRI, that's right there. When you do a virtual consult, what happens in that? It's with the hope that you are able to explain to the doctor as much as possible what's going on. But, you know, sometimes in the office and they not the need to see your reflex, your reaction and stuff. Who is doing that? I don't know. I, I, I'm not fond of it, but I guess it works for some people. I think it's good for follow-ups. Go ahead. Go right ahead. I think it's something that can work in that when you look at the space here in the U.S., um, there's a lot of people that sometimes need to go to the doctor for minor stuff, but they can't go because they don't have health insurance, because it, the costs are prohibitive and stuff like that. So when people do go to the doctor, is when their case is like start getting really bad that they cannot ignore it anymore. So if you find a medium by which you make it easier for people to consult with their primary care physician before things get out of hand, you could find that people could find it cheaper to deal with their, their healthcare issues and um, it may have a big impact because here I think it's just cost too much sometimes just to see the doctor and we have to find that middle ground fair enough fair enough for minor things nothing major okay but how let me ask this question and I'm going to throw the wheel the spoke in the wheel right now uh what if you have someone who is addicted to prescription pain relievers right and they can they're able to use this medium as a way to get their hands on these type of drugs how can we control that is there going to be a system in place because they can probably go from doctor to doctor or you know, probably it's a network, so the information will be shared. But what if they decide, okay, I want to use a different name? I don't know. There is always a downside. There's always but a downside. In the opiate crisis, you had places, little villages in Virginia, that had more prescription than, than people living there. Like <laughs> millions of prescription coming out of certain offices and stuff like that. So the people that want to do these things would always find a way and a medium to do it. You understand so everything has a balance we can't really stop it yeah you know but yeah. yes it, it, it provided an additional avenue so let us pivot 
I would say to the health industry pivot. Now you have to examine your costs. The costs for various procedures are ridiculous. Really ridiculous. I remember, um, how long ago was it? 2016, I had to have a procedure done. $60,000. And it was an outpatient procedure. Explain that. An outpatient procedure, $60,000? Really? And I'm sure you had to get somebody to interpret the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Why, when you go to doctor, for sometimes simple stuff, you have to get a specialist to interpret your bill? I don't understand. Something is wrong in this. Well, we know what it is already. We're not for try to figure it out. We already know what it is. But what... Amazon is probably trying to teach or what everyone can learn from Amazon is let's do a price adjustment. Let's get these people back into our offices, whether they have insurance or not. Let us see to it that they can have healthy, well checks, not wait until something is critically wrong before they show up in an emergency room. And by the way, we spoke about this, was this this week or last week, where I did not know that emergency rooms are outsourced and chances are you go in there you're not seeing a doctor you're seeing a mid-level professional whether it's a licensed practical nurse or somebody else you're not seeing a doctor but they're charging you like you've seen a doctor so i think this may serve as a wake-up call for the health industry Stop tech people for idiot and stop ripping off people. Because I think this is the only country in the world where the price is so exorbitant. A lot of people, I can speak for Jamaicans. A lot of people go back to Jamaica to get their, um, to go to their doctors. They don't do it here. Even with insurance. Didn't uh, Mark Cuban start, um, I think it's a cost plus or some kind of um, website where yeah. you get stuff, you know, really cheap? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, so we, we need these interventions because the status quo wouldn't change it. They're the one benefiting from the ridiculous prices. Yeah. There are people going to Mexico to get superb health care at a fraction of the cost. I met one woman, I think I spoke about it here. I met one woman um, at the nail salon. She's from Mexico, but she goes back every year. She says she would never go here. It's ridiculous. She can't afford it. She can do a two for one. She What she would pay here, she can pay her airfare, take some vacation time, plus go to the doctor, all in Mexico. But you live in the U.S. It's the only country I believe in the world where when you have a baby, you walk out with a bill that's ridiculous, like a mortgage. To have a baby, yeah, you have to have the baby somewhere, right? And even if you choose to do an at-home birth or go to a birthing center, if there is any, if there are any complications, you have to end up in a hospital. Radam, lick you. You're not sure if you want to push the baby back up inside of your walk out. You don't know. 
a baby. You have no choice but to have the baby. You get hit, hit $30,000 bill. Now, God forbid that child needs to go under Billy Rubin light because them have hemolytic jaundice and have to stay in the fair extra two days. Worries. Y'all better buy that ultraviolet light and take that baby home and put him under that light. God forbid if there are any complications that require you to stay there for a week or the child to end up in ICU. God help you. I done it done this Sophia. Feel like Queenie when Queenie ball up. Murder! When do it drag grab me? Yeah. That's how they deal with us. Don't get sick, folks. Don't get sick. <laughs> Not here. And if you don't have insurance, murder, according to Queenie. I love Queenie, by the way. I mean, I don't care what I want about Queenie. Queen wave. Queen wave. Yeah, I love her. Um, Something is wrong. Well, as I said, it's a wake-up call. So I, now I will turn my attention to hospitals and um, medical facilities. How are you going to combat this? What are you going to ensure that Amazon does not empty out your waiting rooms? Oh, another thing too. This foolishness where I have an 8 o'clock appointment and I have to sit on it till 10 o'clock before you come, come see me. Yeah, I better straighten that out. And I understand some of you doctors are coming off of your rotations at, at um, hospitals. I get that. Sometimes, especially in OBGYNs, you've just had to deliver a baby, whether through C-section. And the other thing, you notice that every baby now has C-section because no doctor and I have no time for sitting and wait for you to push out no pitney. That's a whole nother story. But yes, we understand that you, you're you coming off your rotation or you're coming off your shift and you you know, whatever have you. But two hours? Really? Do better. When I soon hear say Amazon deliver baby too. Don't be surprised. Somebody show up at your door. Prime. <laughs> Let's deliver this baby. Yeah, don't be surprised. Amazon, yeah, yeah. I can't be mad at you. I, how, how can I hate him and I can't even get in the game? I cannot be mad at Amazon. Let it be a wake-up call for those persons who are seeking to get into the healthcare industry because it is so profitable. Have a conscience. Have a conscience. Make healthcare personal again. Sound like Donald Trump, right? Make America great again. Let us make healthcare personal. Not about the dollar bill. Not about slapping somebody with a $1,000 bill just for seeing them for 15 minutes. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. Clean up. Clean up shop. Time for this one. Who loves in Mercedes Benz? I love it. Love it. Ooh, this is beautiful. Okay, I got to put the link on here for um, Clubhouse. Got to put the link. I think we can only dream. Ah, oh, yeah. What can I say? Dream. What's that song? Dream, 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 dream. <laughs> Don't mind my croaking, folks. But yeah, a girl can dream. So according to CNN, the new 
2024 Mercedes E-Class will have TikTok built in. For those who have ever felt the urge to whip off a TikTok video from inside their car, I can't even say the word, Mercedes-Benz owners will be able to do that from inside the 2024 E-Class without even having to get out their phones. That means dance moves will be possible using both hands as long as the car is parked. Thank you. More in keeping with the brand image, Mercedes drivers will also be able to participate in important business-related video meetings without having to open a laptop. They can also sling angry birds when things get boring. Software in the car enables the installation of apps like Zoom, WebEx, and TikTok without going through an in-car intermediary-like app, CarPlay, or the Apple CarPlay, you know that one, or Android Auto, although those options will still presumably be available. The small camera built into the top of the dashboard facing the occupants can also be used for general selfie-taking, video conferencing, photography and filming, TikTok videos will only be possible when the car is stopped. However, that's according to Mercedes-Benz. A web browser is also available for download. While some car models already on the market, including Teslas and some other Mercedes models, have built-in web browsers, this one will be available to the person in the front passenger seat. Yeah, they will have their own dedicated touchscreen as an available option. So, y'all have a Zoom meeting that you need to be on for your job? Don't worry, Mercedes going to make sure you get to that meeting. <laughs> Javette. Rosolo. <laughs> which which class they say? Which the E class. This is below you. Um this is below you, Dre. Sorry, this is not the S class or the G Wagon. This is Oh boy. Yeah, this, this, this is this is for us poor folks. <laughs> oh dare to dream. <laughs> really? They even have classes in for cars? Yes. That's the Frackenackle. You didn't Javette, you better get with the program. You have the wait. You have the C if class. If you're driving a Mercedes, uh-huh. if you're driving a Mercedes uh-huh. in 2023, uh-huh. you still gonna tell me I'm lower than the next person? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> you have, but guess what? And there are classes within the Mercedes Benz. You know, people who drive an S class, they tend to look down on those who drive a C class or a CLA. CLA folks is buy one get one free. You know, if you buy an S class, they throw in a, a CLA for you. <laughs> yes. C class is entry level. <laughs> I take offense. Good morning, everyone. Because it's people like you can't pay my car and what for me. So we over here in the CLAs will sit quietly and Flintstone our way around town. And you're absolutely right. The other day I walked out of the store and a lady was looking in my car and she's like, our nose was turned up and she was like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. I was just looking because I haven't seen the inside of that one. And when she said to me, I was like, what is she talking about that one? And when I looked, she had a bigger one, right? So I frankly take me from point A to B, but now that you're speaking, I just wanted to say, because I, I hear in you what I saw in her okay. and now I understand. <laughs> Glad I was able to bring it to life for you. Thank you. Now I appreciate it. I'm in the lower club. That's all right. 
still higher in the lower classes. Thanks. It's like those who are driving around in their Lexus cars and look down on the Camrys. Bought, they both made the by the car. same company. Listen, let me tell you something. I laugh. I find it hilarious. Not telling a lie. So, um, yeah. Yes, Dre, this is out your rate. This is not for you, Dre. This, you, you way above this. What you push, Dre? A Lamborghini truck? Love those. One day. One day in my dreams. I'm going to push one. I'm going to push Thank you, Dre. Good. Good answer. <laughs> hey, have you ever pulled up beside the Lamborghini truck? Oh, my gosh. They're sexy. You hear that thing purr? Mm, yeah. Anyway, I love cars. I love vehicles. One day. I think that's my weakness. If I had money, I the only thing, though, I wouldn't just have them for the sake of having them. I'd have them as an investment. I would, they'd have to make me money. Yeah. Rent them out. Luxury car rental. One day. Do they have luxury Airbnbs? Or oh, yeah, they do. They, they do. do. Okay. Yeah. But the but yeah, you, you could rent out on Turo the the cars. What's the name of it? Let me check that out. <laughs> Turo. T U R yeah yeah T U R O. See you saw you see Dre just answered my question, folks. <laughs> yeah, Turo is a good app and it's Ooh, cheaper. Here comes. Let me tell you about the heavy hitters in the room. I feel good. I feel I feel rich, rich. Damn. Got some. I'm rubbing shoulders with people who have money. Something but is it would be best to you. buy. It would be best to buy a, a a Tesla and put it on Toro. Listen, folks. Listen to mo when money speaks. Y'all better listen. What do you mean something is wrong with me, Rosola? They say in life you must associate. You must associate with those that you're. Ch you know whose level you're trying to get up Beautiful to. Challenge sometimes. Oh, I love you, Dre. Why do you say Rena? <laughs> I needed this so gosh, I'm in the office. Oh my god. Um Dre, why do you say it'd be good to rent the do the Tesla as opposed because to the, 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 the saving with the gas and thing, because when people looking to rent it, you know, they're looking to save some money. Okay. You know, you wanna be like competitive with the, the rental car companies and the other people on Turo and stuff like that. I just know I, I don't know for but in California like um the, the Tesla is a is a big thing. Mm. It's here in Georgia as well, but see the Tesla here is like it's like a BOGO happens one weekend and you know, buy one, get one free. They're everywhere. So that's why I asked you. I'm sorry. Uh, um, Perry, Perry, make a good, good. This, this person, Perry Blunt. Yeah, he said buy whatever is demanding on the uh, on the market. Yeah, that's that's what. Yeah. So California is is Tesla. So whatever in Florida, um, you know, find out what they want. You know, they might like the Challenger, the Charger, sorry, and stuff down there. I don't know. But if that's your market, that's what you get if you look into rent. Let me tell you something. Any other room, are full of rich people. You have Dre. You have Donna, and then you have Chili Geely in the chat saying, "Also, people take parts from new cars on Turo. I would, I would, it's I would accept all the money. Send it here. Send it here. <laughs> I want to be rich too, of course." <laughs> and Perry's, you know, saying you buy whatever is demanding in your market, and them people, I mean, like associate with Webrock Pakitago, <laughs> West Struggle Life Pakitago. So. I don't even know what Toro is, so I guess you're not hanging with me, huh? I just learned myself, Javert. T U 
T-U-R-O. I just learned. I literally just pulled it up. T-U-R-O.com. Find your drive. Explore the world's largest car sharing marketplace. Yeah, you can rent whatever you want. So I guess people put up their personal vehicles for rent here. Is that how it works? I'm not looking at the how it works section. But I guess um, you can get from electric, deluxe, and super deluxe, and pet friendly. Well, in Miami, I'm sure. Um, Marlon, we need to go back. So a lot of ticket has that scratch, scratch, scratch real hard. Because... <laughs> My hand make a scratch, but we might be able to do something. But um, yeah, I'm seeing here. Well, from Miami, let me say this. If you have a Corvette, a Lamborghini, a Porsche, I think the high-end cars will do well in Miami because people love to brag and show off in Miami. Yeah. People be paying $5,000 to rent a vehicle just for the weekend in Miami. <sighs> Why me, Huffy, poor lad? Why be up at poor? Why? You are not poor, please stop saying that. <laughs> I am rich in spirit. You're you that you that you are. That you are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not poor. So please stop saying that. I am rich Far in from spirit. It. So in Miami, you can get a Porsche Cayenne. 2020 it's up in aventura for 117 dollars a day that's not too bad but it's low it's off season now right wait until them have an event wait until things like memorial day weekend roll around and them something that you can't rent the car them am i carnival? because <sighs> i know they're coming down there they have already started to to rent and stuff like that yeah you can get a g-wagon a 2018 not even one 2020 not even a 2021 you can rent a 2018 mercedes-benz g-class for 185 dollars a day save 29 dollars folks <laughs> murder Whew. a girl can dream love it though but that no on a serious note let me get serious for a sec hold on what gila say um they rent your car take the parts and replace it with old parts people read why people have to mess up a good thing why are we like this why can't we just rent someone's vehicle enjoy the luxury of it and return it as we got it why must we be this way and i'm, I'm talking about human beings in general Every single one away. Why we must stay so? Someone is gracious enough to, to rent you their vehicle. Make it available for you so you can, you know, enjoy yourself. Have a good time. And that's what we do. Do people take off tire off a rental car? Do people do that? No need for stop it. But thank you. I learned about Turo. The car sharing marketplace, which I guess it's like an Airbnb. So I learned that today. For anyone who is looking for an investment opportunity, we're all about that. Promoting everyone, being an entrepreneur of sorts. If this is something you are interested in and you want to use your vehicle to become an, as an asset versus a liability, because the car payments nowadays I'm hearing is ridiculous. People paying $1,200 for a car payment. It's ridiculous. And people need to get from point A to point B. But let's see how we can pivot and use it to make money. All right. So there goes an income opportunity. And go ahead. Go ahead, Donna. 
Don't worry, Jeff Bezos gonna start selling cars just now. Let it go ahead. It is car payments. Very soon, all of Africa living that we care. Twelve hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. Um, if if you don't drive a lot, you know. So we already know we have the the leasing option. They mm-hmm. have car subscription now. Oh, what yeah, say? Car subscription. Yeah. Where is so, that available at? There's this company, a, a few companies doing it, but there's one called Sixth. I don't know if you see. Oh yeah, S I X T. They're down here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you pay like I don't remember how much to get to 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 get in, but once you're in, you subscribe for a car mm-hmm. and um, whatever car they have, and just say that they will say so. It's better than renting. So they will say, all right, it's five hundred dollars a month. And okay. that will cover like insurance or whatever. And you could keep it for however long you want and you just carry it back okay. when you don't need it. <laughs> and you, but you already have the subscription with them. So whenever you want, you go again and you get a better price than um, if you were supposed to rent a car. So it just like now there's so many options. You don't always have to finance or you don't have to lease. Now you can subscribe. And I'm glad you said that because I jumped on their website and yes, I'm learning more today. So you can subscribe as Dre is saying, you can subscribe to a Toyota RAV4 for $699 a month, um, a BMW X3 for $869 a month, a BMW 3 Series um, for $869 a month as well. Okay, never knew. Wow. They are truly making it possible for you to explore options or they're providing options wow i didn't know so that imagine now renting those cars now you're 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 up in the 1500 dollars a month range so you you literally save in with the the, the subscription and that's if it works for you because not everything will work you right. know for everybody right wow interesting all right, folks, you don't have to pay $1,200. And in this subscription, does it co- it's bumper to bumper. It covers everything, except, of course, you have to put your own gas in there, right? But service and everything, Dre, it covers all of that? Um, you, You'd have to read up more on it and stuff like that. Um, okay. I, I read up on it a few months ago, and um, it seems good, but uh, I never revisit it. But, yeah, they have subscriptions now. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. They have subscriptions in New York City, folks. They do. Wow. Interesting. I'm learning more each day. Okay. All right. Well, sad news for NPR with layoffs. NPR becomes the latest media outlet to cut jobs, unfortunately. NPR's chief executive announced the network would lay off roughly 10% of its current workforce, which amounts to at least 100 people, and eliminate most vacant positions. CEO John Lansing cited the erosion of advertising dollars, particularly for NPR podcasts, and the tough financial outlook for the media industry more generally. When we say we are eliminating filled positions, we're talking about our colleagues, people whose skills, spirit, and talents help make NPR what it is today. This will be a major loss. 
on an annual budget of roughly $300 million. Lansing says revenues are likely to fall short by close to $30 million, although that gap could reach $32 million. Such a pity um, that they have to cut staff. I hope they will not have to go out of business. I think that platform, this outlet, is one where you can get, um, what's the term? Unbiased? Unbiased. Yes. Unbiased. It's one of the few left. Yeah. Yeah. Unbiased. And I want to say factual to some degree. I will say that, right? Where you can trust what you're getting from them. They're, you know, people, 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 those who own companies and stuff. Can you pump your advertising dollars there? Um, Put some money there, not just on TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook, and IG. Yeah, we need to save the... You notice the good things are... We're losing the good things. Not cool, not cool, not cool. All right, most Americans are uncomfortable with artificial intelligence in healthcare, according to a survey. This is courtesy of CNN Health. Most Americans feel significant discomfort about the idea of their doctors using artificial intelligence to help manage their health. And that's according to a new survey. But they generally acknowledge AI's potential to reduce medical mistakes and eliminate some of the problems doctors may have with racial bias. Artificial intelligence is the theory and development of computer programs that can solve problems and perform tasks I'm almost lapsed again and perform tasks that typically would require human intelligence. Machines that can essentially learn as humans can based on the input they have been given. You probably already use technology that relies on AI every day without even thinking about it. When you shop on Amazon, for example, it's artificial intelligence that guides the site to recommend cat toys if you've previously shopped for cat food. AI can also help unlock your iPhone, drive your Tesla, answer customer service questions at your bank, and recommend the next show to binge on Netflix. Americans may like these individualized services, but when it comes to AI and their healthcare, it may be a digital step too far for many. 60% of Americans who took part in a new survey by the Pew Research Center said that they would be uncomfortable with a healthcare provider who relied on AI to do something like diagnose their disease or recommend treatment. About 57% said that the use of AI would make their relationship with their provider worse. Um, AI is the way, is the way the world is going, right? There's no turning back. We're going to have to find a way to embrace it and coexist with it. Um, and doctors can use it in tandem with real being real, right? Um, excuse me. You're going to have to ease your patients into it. I believe, I don't think you can just thrust it upon them. Especially the older folks like myself. I still have, um, I'm still skeptical about certain things. Forgive me. A little, you know. I don't know. I need to get up to the time. But nothing is wrong with being cautious. And they will have to understand 
the needs of those that they're serving. Be patient. Be patient. Uh, be transparent. And speak to them in a language that they can understand so that they will slowly but surely ease into it and embrace it. It's the way of the world. It's not going anywhere. We're going to just have to live with it. Sorry. Um, shockingly dangerous. Al Jazeera Health. WHO raises alarm on pregnancy risks. The World Health Organization says one woman dies every two minutes during pregnancy or childbirth. That's according to the latest data, with too few countries in the world managing to substantially reduce maternal death rates since 2016. The report, Trends in Maternal Mortality, showed that while there was a significant progress in reducing maternal deaths between 2000 and 2015, those gains stalled or were even reversed in the five years to 2020. While pregnancy should be a time of immense hope and a positive experience for all women, it is tragically still a shockingly dangerous experience for millions around the world who unfortunately lack access to high-quality, respectful health care. These new statistics reveal the urgent need to ensure every woman and girl has access to critical health services before, during, and after childbirth, and that they can fully exercise their reproductive rights. The report, which tracks maternal deaths nationally, regionally, and globally from 2000 to 2020, showed that in two of the eight United Nations regions, Europe, and North America and Latin America and the Caribbean, the maternal mortality rate increased from 2016 to 2020 by 17 and 15% respectively. Elsewhere, the rate stagnated. Why in the heck Europe and North America, who are supposed to be leaders, world leaders, why on earth would you have a mortality rate increase? Shouldn't it be a decrease because you're now much more advanced? You're talking about a 17% increase. This is huge. This is not a little increase. No, it's not. 17%? That is, no, that is really bad. It's terrible. Latin America and the Caribbean, 15%. We shouldn't even have that in Latin America and the Caribbean. There should not in 2023 when we have made such advancements when it comes to science and technology and health. We have the money to figure out what's going on out there in space, but we can't. We don't have it to advance healthcare and see to it that the mortality rate is going in the opposite direction. Something is wrong. But you know what a part of the problem is? We are more money-focused, money-centric. We are not focused on patient care. And, and the other thing, excuse me, is that we're not listening to the patient. We're not listening. And that is a critical part of being in the medical field. You have to listen to your patient. You have to. You cannot ignore what your patient is expressing to you. You can't do that. Not at all.
just a moment with me. Gratitude is the best medicine. It heals your mind, your body, and your spirit. The more you express gratitude for what you have, the more things you will find to be grateful for. Gratitude, like faith, is a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it grows and the more power you have to use it on your behalf. If you do not practice gratefulness, its benefaction will go unnoticed and your capacity to draw on its gifts will be diminished. To be grateful is to find blessings in everything. This is the most powerful attitude to adopt. For there are blessings in everything. Thank you, Javed, for this reminder. say a big thank you to everyone that tuned in online johnoradio.com download the johnno radio app j-a-h-k-n-o it is available in your apple and google play stores johnno radio take us on the go a big thank you to everyone that tuned in on qmzradio.com for quality music while you work or play Keep it logged on to www.qmzradio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Gotta give a big thank you to everyone that joined me here on Clubhouse. As always, I am extremely and forever grateful. Thank you for making it what it is. Today was hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. We played the music off Byron Lee and the Dragonairs. QMZ Radio and Jano Radio. This is Moments with Me signing out. Catch you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern for the Friday Mix. Inside the Friday Mix tomorrow, our feature Friday artist is Noah Issa, Jamaica's best kept secret. Take care of yourselves, whatever you do, wherever you go, please be safe.
Trinidad, you're wind down as if you're mad. Wind up, wind up, touch your toes. 